0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Ash Thorpe, joined by Andrew Harlick, and this is going to be episode 95 with the talented illustrator-designer, Tuna Bora. This episode, we talk a bit about how she's managed to juggle the lifestyle of a freelance artist, um, the concept of day rates and insurance, internships. There's lots of useful information here I hope you guys can take away from. This show is brought to you by Chipotle. I'm just joking, it's not. But we love chipotle and it, nobody loves chipotle more than andrew who's the show's producer and he's doing this thing called chipotle if you don't believe me you can find out more about it in this episode it's hilarious along with chipotle this episode is brought to you by the mighty audible.com you can get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at thecollectivepodcast.com/audible um, as you all know, I'm super big into audiobooks. I'm into books in general, but audiobooks have been really great for me recently, and I use Audible as a great device to help fuel my creative mind. Um, along with Audible, you should check out our book section on the Collective website. It's uh, thecollectivepodcast.com books, B-O-O-K-S. I get a lot of questions about what books inspire me or what books I'm reading. Um, we're slowly putting my collection up on the website so you guys can check that out. I just dropped all the books that I bought out in uh, Japan as well, so there's tons of crazy madness that I was able to purchase out there. So check that out at slash books I really enjoyed this episode. I want to thank Tuna again for coming on the show and sharing your time with us. Also, a big thanks to Greg Gun for connecting us with Tuna. Um, this is going to be a big episode, episode 95. Let's roll. No, I was, I was just I go back to just stating that I'm honestly a huge fan of your work. If anybody that's listening hasn't seen your work, we have links to it. Check it out. It's, your work is filled with all the style and soul that of art that I really admired and love, especially from like the Disney era, Mary Blair's stuff. is like that kind of similar in the same sense in the, in the best of ways. I know I hate it when people do that to other artists, you know, so I'm, I'm sorry. I hope that's not an insult. I hope I'm sure it isn't because your work is amazing.
1: No way. Thank you so much. It's all super humbling to hear.
0: It's beautiful um, work. You have tons of style, so, in my opinion. Thank you. Yeah.
1: I feel like there's just so much stuff out there. That's amazing. Um, I'm always humbled when people compare anything I do to anyone I love, and Mary Blair is on that list, obviously, so
2: it's awesome. great.
1: She was a badass. I mean, yeah. <laughs> look at all the things she's done, especially for the um, for the era she was a part of, it's really amazing.
0: She's one of those unique people. We only, we, get a, we only get some of those. so many of those, I think, in each um, era. And she was definitely one of those dominators, I think. I just really admire her work and her as a person from the outside looking in, you know. So it's really cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, she's kind of a legend for most of us. For, for ladies in the animation industry, I feel like. She's kind of the uh, Oprah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would say that's pretty accurate because she had, she had um, a pretty strong voice with all this stuff as well, you know, from what I understand, which is awesome, you know. and her, yeah. her, She had the talent to back it up too, which is always amazing, you know, which is great. Yes,
1: yeah. And she did so much other stuff too. If you look at her work, mm-hmm. um, it's a bit hard to get a hold of that stuff here sometimes, but there's this Japanese book, and of course, because it's in Japanese, I don't really know the title, but <laughs> it's something like all the colors of Mary Blair or something. And it mm, has... I've seen that. Yeah. It has some of our other work in there. Um, some of them look like pre-campaigns. Again, it's in Japanese, so you're just looking at it. But um, there's definitely a lot more stuff than um, the Disneyland and the Peter Pan and the Alice in Wonderland, which is really cool.
0: Yeah. She has just tremendous style and I feel um, similar soul, like kindred spirits towards... (laughs) Towards her? Yeah, well, like, no, no, towards (laughs) seeing you two. I mean, my opinion from your, my observation of your art and loving... That's so
1: so glad. (laughs) It's
0: just filled with lots of style and um, I'm always an admirer. I always admire artists that can do the work that I can't, you know? I, I think that's always... Like one of the catch 22s, I guess, about being creative, right? So <laughs>
1: that's how <laughs> I feel too, actually. That's one of the reasons why I love working with all these animators because stuff that I, you know, you think maybe you could imagine it and then they come at you with all the stuff that you could never put together in your head, <laughs> let yes. alone actually animate. So I feel like it's really cool. Um, but design wise, too, like you said, it's always the stuff that. Um you love and don't really do that inspire you more,
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think what you touched on from my observation is like collaboration um yields such unique experiences, and that's what's really cool about you freelance right,
1: yeah,
0: so being a freelancer, you're constantly changing like families and teams, and I think that's there's something really beautiful there if you can keep that momentum going,
1: I mean, I think it's definitely more experimental than being on the same job for a long time yeah um which of course depends on the industry too but yeah i mean and, and you and i we both worked in commercials enough i think yes, to to know that um each each project has to have its own voice to some extent it can't constantly be just the style of so-and-so um right like even when they come to you with for your own style. They want something. Um, it's ownable now. Now that's the trend <laughs> word for, right? Isn't yes. that, it's like, make it ownable. You know, like, <laughs> I just want to cry every time I hear it in a, in a conference call. Cause you're like, that just uh, nothing that just says <laughs> thanks.
0: Yeah. yeah. One, of, one of the keywords, that's one of them that I have a hard time hearing too. But one of the other ones is, is I want it to be organic. Oh, don't drop the o-bomb <laughs>
2: O bomb.
0: <laughs> you hear that every uh almost every creative call that i've had with a client um organic is dropped in there somehow it's just sprinkled over it
1: that's so funny i i think you know at the core of it at least for myself i don't have a problem with the words themselves it's just that often it's proven in the following moments that they didn't really put any thought into that word, obviously. Right. Like they can explain it. It's fine.
0: Sure. sure. If
1: they can't, then you're like,
0: um, it's the word salad. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Make more pixels. And you're like, uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's challenging. Actually, this is a good topic to jump into. How are you, how are you navigating your freelance career? Like, could you give me kind of, um, um, maybe like an insight to what you've been up to for the past couple of years and kind of how you've been able to balance it. And
1: um, um, Sure. I mean, balance it in terms of time, or do you mean balance it in terms of what I vanity. want?
0: <laughs> 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 All of the above.
1: <laughs> um, well, I when I first graduated, I had a very strong interest in working in feature animation. Hmm. That's what I was going towards. Uh, and then I kind of graduated into the worst economic situation in the creative industry. It was mm-hmm. it wasn't in two thousand eight; it was in O nine when I feel like it took a second to actually hit the animation companies and so forth. Like they were still hiring in O eight when I graduated, everybody was in a hiring freeze. <laughs>
2: mm.
1: It was like yippee! <laughs> um, so I worked across a bunch of different things uh, in the beginning, not by choice, but because it was like, okay, well, I have to work. So I worked on a game, and I worked on an app and stuff. It was just really random and um, uh, infrequent, I guess. And, uh, and then I started working in commercials, which was great. Uh, and, and within the year, I actually got the job I wanted in features, which was uh, good for great reasons and also not so great for <laughs> other reasons in my experience. So that actually put everything, it kind of shakes you up a bit, you know? Sure. If you're as stubborn as I am, I think you
2: stick
1: with <laughs> what you've been doing. You know, like people, of course, in high school were like, yeah, like you're going to make movies, like whatever. Sure. <laughs> like You're going to make animated films? Good luck with that.
0: I know, it's a tough one. <laughs> yeah.
1: You're like, I will show you, I will do what I promised I will do. Uh, and then you stick with it, you know, throughout college, you're like, I can do this. And then you actually get to do it and you're like, oh snap, this is nothing like what I expected.
0: Nothing ever is, right?
1: Nothing ever is, but I feel like it was a really good lesson to learn early on. So I went back to commercials with all this appetite because I was like, oh, I want to do all the styles and I want to try so many different things. And, Mm -hmm. you know, by then I also had a little bit of feature experience under my belt and I could, you know, converse at that level with people and
0: could you dive into more details about your the experience with the studio and stuff or
1: rabbit hole? Um, yeah, sorry. No, no, it's fine. Uh, it was actually with Sony pictures animation mm-hmm. and, um, everyone I know there and everyone I interacted with there are actually really great
0: Tons you know, of talent there.
1: So much talent. Um, they, uh, their productions are kind of different than some of the other companies as far as I've heard. um, and I was on this uh, collaboration with Ardman, which sounded like a dream job, but I think it was a lot of identities being figured out at that very big intersection of these two companies making a movie together. Mm-hmm. So there were certain challenges that were unexpected to other Sony employees too, I believe. And um, it was really hard to have your first experience in this kind of everything is being refigured out Um, sort of situation so for me um, I always expected a certain feature esque procedure to how they work as in you go and you kind of have a mentor and they kind of tell you how things are done there and you did it that way And so I didn't really get that experience at that particular production even though I know in their own productions they do this a lot more so it's you know it wasn't anybody's fault or it wasn't even a typical experience there but it just kind of put things in perspective, not not um not only in terms of the work I was doing particularly, but beyond that just as in oh, is this the kind of career I want to commit to? What about this do I like and what about it I could, you know, maybe want something else? <laughs> sure. So um Did it school
0: was- set you up for expecting more, do you think, or no? Or just reading stories and stuff, expectations?
1: Um, I got to see firsthand how some really, really, really talented people. And by that, I mean, you know, people who drew and designed the films that I watched as a kid that, you know, made this whole dream come together for me in the the first place. Kind of being put in positions, obviously, this is a production thing, but being put in positions where they couldn't be utilized to their full potential. And, you know, I It's a
0: shame huh? when you see that.
1: I think so. I mean, it's a little um, discouraging, I think. Yeah. You know, and... um,
0: Because if they can't, then what the heck?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they made their life choices that led to there, and I don't know how satisfied they are with it and how dissatisfied they might be. I wouldn't want to speak for them. But it kind of made me think, you know, 50 years from now, will I be satisfied with my career if I follow this path? Mm, Smart and I don't think that's an easy question to answer, but um, I hadn't thought about it before, you see, because sure. I was thinking, oh, I'm going to work in animation, I'm going to work in it, like just repeating it to yourself. You don't really look past getting the job usually, like when you're in school. Yeah. I don't know. It was, and it's kind of a thing I think you have to experience personally. It's, everybody's experience is going to be very different, I think, in that, in that world.
0: Yeah, the journey is very unique depending on how you take it.
2: Obviously, yeah,
1: yeah, and um, I think everybody's personalities. I mean, I don't think I do well being on the same job for four years. Mm-hmm. I haven't gone that far on that job, but um, to me, the idea of it was really tough to commit to. You know, unless it's your film, if, unless it's your baby, or if you're the production designer and and, and you're kind of seeing it come to life, and it's you know, you're involved on that level. I I find it mentally challenging to be a 100% there if um, I feel too much like a cog. Sure. machine.
0: Now you're in commercials because that's the opposite. It lasts like awesome. a
1: week. <laughs> well, uh, it's, you know, in production, in terms of production, yeah, it is exactly the opposite because you don't have time to go back and forth on something for so long or, you know whatever you design has to kind of go with the limitations of what you can produce in the time and budget. Yeah. But I feel like that gives, this isn't something that I assume would be interesting to everybody, but to me, that's such a unique problem to solve that it's interesting and you can make stylistic choices that you can back up with, well, this is what we can afford. So, you know, I think there's overall with stylized work, I think uh, there's a lenience to go towards 3D rendered, Pixar-ish looking, which isn't even realistic, but this you know, feature animation kind of look. Uh, a lot of clients seem to want to go towards that. A lot of companies seem to want to go towards that because I think it's safer in their mind.
0: Until they see how much it costs.
1: Until they see how much it costs, but also, <laughs> also you know, nothing looks worse than that style done cheaply oh yeah it just, it's so it, it people don't understand obviously how much uh, every kind of artist has to work on that shot to make it look good
0: oh it's crazy the amount of layers and effort that pixar puts into every frame is just yeah yes. it, on, I mean,
1: at this point any feature company really but
0: sure it, that's true i mean so many of them are pushing such high quality now these days too yeah.
1: And it's not that it can't be done in a small company, but, you know, you know, the kind of budget.
0: Sayup story. does a great job with that kind of style, I think, you know?
1: Uh, I think in terms of going for that style, yes. They, they definitely have kind of always been in the forefront of that, I think.
2: Yeah. Course,
1: uh, but to me, to me, part of what's really interesting is not having to go for that style because sure. that is so... Um, I think with all these companies doing all these feature films, it became sort of repetitive uh, I I struggle to find drastically different design and features repeatedly. Um, and again I think that's where a little bit of what I said earlier comes into play in terms of do they have people who can make drastically different and really amazing design? Yes, they have so many of those people mm. you know in these companies, some people I've worked with and some people I just know, uh, incredible designers you know, completely unique look, but I think obviously it's going to be hard for investors to take that kind of chance. Um, obviously there's a lot that goes into deciding the style. I just think it's, it's easier to convince and get people excited when your budget isn't $350 million.
0: (laughs) Sure. Of course it's, it's really out of control. You sound like you have a bit of a director leader in, uh, inside yourself. Is that, something that you're aspiring to do still or considering?
1: Uh, To some extent uh, even with uh, live action directors I think I tend to lean towards a certain kind of style in terms of what I appreciate most sure so um, and I think it's people who take projects that they can do something interesting with as opposed to just taking stuff on so you know in commercials particularly directing um, often means that you are full-time with a place and you direct for them repeatedly, whatever comes to the company, production company, sure. <clears throat> uh, which I, I don't know if I'm 100% comfortable with. Yeah. <laughs> but in terms of being represented and directing, it's something I, I'm considering currently.
0: Yeah, it can be a challenge, I think, to d- be a director and be a freelancer that jumps around. Uh, I know some people, my friend Ben Hibben uh, manages to pull it off really well. He does exquisite work. I don't know have you ever seen Ben's work before?
1: Uh I might have. I'm so bad with names.
0: Have you seen the Harry Potter movie where They have the animation inside the Harry Potter oh, yeah. movie? Yeah. He yeah. Um, that's one of his pieces. So he's that's very Yeah, he's he's, a, he's on another level. <laughs> yeah, he's really great. I'll send you his work too if you want to check it out. But he manages to do it and he, he's very talented obviously, but um, I think it's it's a little bit more rare because of like you said the system and you brought up a really good point I want to talk about a little bit more, too, is about the risk-taking of clients in comparison to creating rich, unique, and design-oriented original work.
1: Yeah, I would love to know your take on it.
0: <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. I mean, that's like my own personal take is it's really hard to get somebody to trust. It's all trust, you know? Um yeah. And a lot of the times, I think for artists, it's hard for us to, to – to empathize with people that have no vision or passion, <laughs> you know, and I'm not trying to be rude or snarky at all. I'm just, not I, not at all. so I think it's a very fine art to, um, work with people that are basically blind to certain emotions or feelings. And so I think, um, navigating those waters and giving, um, a client the hand, holding their hand through the journey is mm-hmm. really, um, a unique trait. And I think it's, you know, taking risks in general. I mean, look at Hollywood, the engine of Hollywood now is just like superhero movies and they're all the same and they're just pumping them out left and right because they're selling, you know, and it's, it's keeping everybody and giving everybody a job. And it's really awesome, you know, that people are able to, you know, provide for their families and all that stuff. Um, but they're not, they're they're not taking huge risks right now, you know? And, uh, it's understandable. I mean, it's a safe bet thing. It's it's pretty. It's actually pretty customary in traditional so
1: <laughs> I think so. Yeah. But I mean, um, you know, it's it's been rare in the past too, right? That Hollywood hasn't always been the cutting edge of filmmaking, anyway. I mean, yeah, you had stuff that was super original, but when you look a little deeper, a lot of it is borrowed too. Oh yeah. Not to say there aren't original filmmakers in Hollywood. I think that's definitely. That exists. It's just um, you know when you compare just by sheer number of things that are made <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: and which category they fall into. Yeah, I think I think not. That's not their goal. I think and in, in, in most productions is to be the most cutting edge of anything. So yeah, it's um, very
0: rare when you get somebody. Um, let's say like we can use Pixar for example as a case study. Um, it's rare when you have a group of people like let's say the alchemy of people like Steve Jobs, who's a entrepreneur and kind of like a, a genius on a, in a different platform. And then you have John Lasseter who's just filled with life and, and energy towards being a kid. And then you have, um what's his name? Catmull. Ed Catmull. Yeah. Sorry. I just read his book too. So I should have remembered his name. Um, But he, and you get the three of those together and you're pushing innovation and ideas and what's ironic about this is that they were against the grain um, Disney yeah. fired John because he was being too progressive kind of from my understanding of the story and then he goes and creates Pixar which <laughs> Disney is crawling back towards <laughs> you know it's the irony of it and I think if anything from if anybody creatives taken a lesson from that is to be an innovative and trust your instincts and follow through with that because you could possibly be on to the next Pixar or whatever that is, you know? So, yeah,
1: I think it's kind of interesting because it takes a little bit of, um, orientation, I think to get your typical audience to see how cool something is at times. Yeah. So similar to what you said about trying to explain something to a client who's maybe not seeing it the way you want them to see it. Sure. Um, there was that interesting, uh, video clip. I don't know if you've seen it tony zoo maybe his mm-hmm. last? he did a little uh review of satoshi khan's editing
0: yes i've seen that yeah uh,
1: and, and he straight up shows how satoshi khan's uh shots are basically in all these big movies that you know i assume a lot of the hollywood audience didn't really know where it came from
0: it's <laughs> <laughs> a really great that's a great analysis he's done a, quite a few of those he's very thoughtful
1: Yeah, yeah. it's always really great to see somebody dissect something that you didn't quite see before. Um, It's
0: like lifting a veil, right?
1: Yeah, it's it's so great.
0: I love it when you watch something that's enlightening to you and then you can then use. I think those are the best experiences as an exchange between two creatives is when somebody shows you the possibilities. And I think underlying that's what maybe we're talking about a little bit in regards to like how we're using Pixar as a case study, but it's kind of. Um, through my observation of it is that yeah. it's just John was showing the world John Ed, Steve, and everybody else, part of Pixar was showing the world the capabilities of computers, and that computers did have a soul depending on how you how how the human put it in there, basically, you know, mm-hmm. I think there's a brilliance to that, you know, so but it's taking risks, you know, so
1: it <laughs> definitely was
0: it's very challenging, it's a very odd uh chance that you would have all these people together, you know, making such a thing. And I think we've seen it too with Walt Disney, for example, as a person. From my understanding of him, he's a very unique person and very, um, he's like all three of those guys combined into one person, you know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he also had a lot of people um, that were along with him throughout that ride from what I remember.
0: Well, you can't build, you can't build, you know, you can't build an empire like that by yourself. It's not possible. So...
1: You clearly have to be visionary to pull that off, but I also think there's other elements involved. What I think is kind of interesting with Walt is... Walt, my friend Walt.
2: <laughs> what I
1: think is kind of interesting with Disney is that he um, he had a chance to remain really autonomous with his work for a really long time yes. uh, for the company and also on a, on a movie basis, which I think makes... Uh, any movie interesting or any work of art interesting, right? Like the stuff that has Your, choices and a point of view, which is cool.
0: Yeah, it's not designed by committee, which dilutes the purity of things. Um, yeah, the intention as, is there. As humans, we feel that direct connection, and we uh, it resonates with us or it doesn't, you know.
1: Or at least it becomes a personal story that you can listen to, where you, you don't have to be the most similar story to it, but you can appreciate it.
0: Yes, I think it's because the originality, from my perspective, the, the things that I love most are from people that are being themselves, purely themselves. I, saw I appreciate
1: that too, it is hard to come by. It,
0: it is, uh, it was funny, I was, I don't know what I was doing, I, I was looking at something on like a newsfeed or something, um, and there was a picture of, um, what's that guy's name, Andrew Sasha Cohen? No, that's not his name. What's the guy that's like alienated from uh, Which Hollywood? One? He's like alienated from Hollywood. He was, he's younger. He was in all the Transformers movies. Oh, um, Elijah. No, not no. Him. Uh, what's his name? Damn oh. it. <laughs> we oh, probably forgot it? him. No, it's, it's Buff. Chila, Yeah. Yeah. Oh,
2: him. Okay. He was,
0: he went to like an award ceremony with a bag over his head that says, I'm not famous anymore. Nice. And I thought that was the coolest thing I'd seen in a long time because <laughs> he's just being like himself he's being like punk rock, you know, like to me, I feel that yeah. <laughs> I applaud that even though people don't like him and whatever, I don't even, I don't know how people can not like somebody. I don't really know. So
1: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I also don't know how people like people they don't know, but yes, you exactly. know, I'm always yes. lost when it comes to this. So I'm not going to take a side. I just always have a hard time investing that much energy and belief towards someone. I don't actually know.
0: <laughs> I think that's a very smart move. Um, <laughs> This smartness,
1: I feel like I just feel very distant towards. Like, oh, it doesn't really matter.
0: <laughs> well, it doesn't though. That's the point. You know, <laughs> um, for, perhaps you're more invested in whatever it is that you're doing. You're, you seem like a world builder, anyways, and, and like from the little bit of we're talking, you seem very independent minded, which is awesome. Which usually yields unique interactions with the world around you. You know, so this is my perspective, though. So. <laughs>
1: just Well, I appreciate that. It's very, very kind of you. Um, I don't know. There's just so much actual cool stuff out there to experience. Yes. That it feels weird to try to experience something that, you know, also with, this is the funny thing. It came out of a conversation in college, I think, but, uh, you know, really investing into these characters, celebrities are, I'm not saying they're all fake, but obviously actors are getting paid to act. That's what they do for a living. Yeah. So this character they put up and other people put up for them, obviously. What's the point? You know, like that's, yeah. that's, that's literally what they're get, getting paid to do. It's like kind of funny. Um, it's ironic. It's, yeah. Ironic, yeah. That you maybe trust it so much that you no, know, I, know, I know Beyonce is like this. It's like <laughs>
0: she's
1: probably actually pretty great, but I don't know what she's like. So
0: sure, and not until you're, you know, everybody has different facets to their personality. You, we might be great on this conversation, but if you put us out on an island starving. Like because I watched that Survivor show, so like I, said, <laughs> I love seeing people deteriorate and basically watching. So you
1: went from conversation to we're on an island and it's survived. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm
0: saying is that um, we're we're such unique creatures where we think we know one thing, and we're constantly being we're constantly being redirected because change is inevitable, right? Change is the one consistency in this universe, obviously, mm-hmm. and so. You know, you might think you know this person, but if you put them in this different situation, then they're completely different than your, what you thought. And the concept of, if we talk about celebrities or projected ideas of what people are, we even talked about Walt Disney or even Steve or John, all these people are are celebrities as well. We don't really know them. We have uh, an idea of what they are, but we don't know who they are. That's got to be a very weird situation, you know, like
1: I bet. Very awkward. Imagine (laughs) I mean, that's part of it too, is I think that has changed so much over time. Yeah. You know, we went from maybe there'd be one interview with an actor (laughs) at the gala of an event to we just constantly get the speed of everything, whether we just do or not. It's it's really overwhelming, you know?
0: I think the word overwhelming is the perfect word to go with (laughs) two thousand. Yeah, and a plus, because of the the ridiculous amounts of information exchanged, and these are just something that I've experienced lately. I've been doing a lot of thinking and, and observing of the world around me. It's just getting crazy. Maybe because I'm getting older. How old are you, if you don't mind me asking?
1: I'm 27.
0: 27. Okay, so I'm 32. I just turned 32.
1: So, yeah. like, right. I just
0: feel like my world is getting more complex. <laughs> but it's, it's all chose chosen um, things, obviously, you know, but.
1: How do you deal with just, it I, I don't
0: <laughs> yeah, smart. You're smart I
1: mean I do but I don't I, I just know sometimes I need to not look into any of it um it's usually pretty easy to avoid I it was easier when I wasn't posting every day then I started posting every day and now whether I like it or not I have to go to the website where I post it you know yeah and it's kind of on your phone constantly I people talk about you know detoxing from electronics or whatever Mm -hmm. which I think is a crazy concept
2: yeah it's like believe in that
1: um I don't believe in the gimmickiness of just doing it for for an hour or doing it I'm not gonna go on Facebook for a week like I don't know if (laughs) anything is achieved by that Andrew oh sorry are you still
0: (laughs) are you have you completely quit
3: Facebook Andrew uh, no, I actually relapsed this week. Oh,
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: you
3: dirty sorry,
1: dude. I didn't mean to hit a nerve. <laughs> um, no,
0: I think we've all, well, I don't know. I imagine most of us have gone through that.
1: Well, it just kind of um, turned a little bit more into, you know, how people yo-yo diet. Now they, um, now they diet with their addictiveness to the internet. Yeah. I, No, I just know that if I'm trying to get work done and if I have something due, I just have to turn off the browser. I have to.
0: (laughs) That's good. How do you find that self-discipline? Do you have any advice for people that have a challenge with it?
1: Um, I think there's actually programs you can use that limits your use.
0: Do you use those? No, (laughs) (laughs)
1: but you can. Don't
0: distract me with that. Give me the goods. Now, how are you doing it? Um. Yeah, I'll use this program. <laughs> no, I, may, I think you're probably just talking about willpower. So,
1: um, I'm a very stubborn person. I don't think my brain works very regularly. <laughs> hmm. I that's not a cheat answer, but um, oh, one thing that I found. Okay, so this is what I. Yay, internets! I'm sharing my secrets. Um, one thing I do when I can't focus is I put on an audiobook, hmm. and I can't just get up and leave. So. I can't start reading something else. I can't start listening to, like, some other music or whatever. Uh, I'm in the middle of a sentence mentally. So, oh, sorry. How dare
0: you. This is a Uh, private conversation. No, it's probably just... It is.
1: It is. It's just in the background. It's all all good. Clearly, as I'm talking about how I quit.
0: (laughs) I am not distracted. Bloop, bloop, bloop. (laughs) I (laughs) was. I swear.
1: I swear. swear. (laughs) See um,
0: technology, it's so intrusive.
1: Oh, I hate technology. <laughs> no, um. Uh, what was, I don't even know what. I, <laughs>
0: see, it's so bad. Now it's just habits and stuff. Talking about um.
1: Oh. Like, just when I'm posting and stuff. Yeah. I'm Talking out. about
0: audiobooks and stuff. Yeah. Oh,
1: the audiobook does this thing to me personally, where if I'm listening to a song, I can leave. Right. I can sure, go too. get a snack, distract myself. Start talking to someone. But if you're in the middle of a sentence, you can't really do that. And when you get back, you have to rewind and kind of get back into that whatever, wherever you were in the story. It's not like actually reading a book where you can stop yeah. and you read the paragraph. It's, it's kind of a pain.
0: <laughs> it is. I was w- hoping for a bookmark or something on iTunes. That'd be awesome if they had that. I don't know if they do.
1: Mm, I wonder if you have it on your phone. I'm pretty sure if you're li- listening to an audiobook on Audible, you can do bookmarks.
0: Audio, yeah, Audible does have that, but I, sometimes I have like um, an audiobook that's into MP4 or something or MP3. and it. You know, Andrew, if there's a bookmark set up for
3: that? I don't know if there's one built into iTunes, but you might be able to import it to uh
0: to Audible, to their app. Or M4B or something like that. Sorry, I'm getting all nerdy, because I know that the audiobooks, <laughs> the audiobooks does, it always will save where you're at, which is awesome. And I think it's an M4B file, but... I don't know. If anybody's listening to this, just tell me how to do it. <laughs> I'm lazy. <laughs> but no, I'm sorry. I think that we're talking about the audiobook is is really um, it's a great technique. I use the same thing. That's why I'm just curious. Um, but sorry. I,
1: I assume iTunes doesn't have anything for this because in the last four years, all they've done is just Unnecessarily change the interface and I have nothing <laughs> new to offer. It's just the same thing. That's <laughs> uh, true. I'm so frustrated with iTunes. Come on, iTunes. Yeah,
0: it. iTunes is a it's an anomaly for me from uh, such a great company. Uh, I'm just like, I what, the, what the fuck? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm like, stop with the watches. Just give me an iTunes. <laughs> yeah,
0: please give me an iTunes that I could use and be stoked about. Yeah, it's constantly changing. And I'm like, what the hell? uh, how do I find that now? And it's
1: like, it's like Facebook. It only gets worse in UI. Like I don't know why.
0: I think it's because, um, and it could possibly, we could tie this into the concept and the theme of how like films are these days or whatever. They get overly complex. There's so many people using them, so many demands that want to have like, you know, I want this feature where it's not as distilled down to its complete raw qualities, which is just be like, we just play music we organize it simplified, and then you could like rate it, and then you can put a bookmark on there. Okay, boom, four things. Come on, guys. Somebody right. from Apple's got to be listening to this podcast. Please save us. i
1: Apple. We love you.
0: <laughs> no, I, I know. I'm just joking. I'm a big Apple fan.
1: So, but. Uh, I was actually working, I'm working in a production company this month on a PC, and uh, I just, it's just <laughs> come to realization again on how much I've become reliant upon. All the Apple products, which is kind of sad, you
0: know. It is. It's kind of gross. What it's like. I yes. give. I give Andrew crap because he has a PC and he's always defending it, like saying hmm. it's the UI is awesome and stuff. Like, no, oh, I don't. <laughs> I say it's not as bad as you say it is. Because yeah, because I cry about it. So yeah, but,
3: well, I, but
1: I feel good. like it's gonna be the cockroach of it though. Like it's gonna be surviving the apocalypse, and yes. all of us, the Apple nerds, we're gonna be like we need the next thing.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: And all the PC people will finally prevail and say,
0: <laughs> yeah, there's definitely better things about PC. One of them being is like, you can create a PC that can destroy a Mac for the price. It's, you can do basically per double sure. the machine, which is awesome, you know? So I'm considering it too, but as a, as an Apple fan, what do you think, where, where do you think Apple's going? Like without Steve and everything, what, what are your thoughts?
1: Again, I have no idea. I haven't put too much thought into it because. You're smart. (laughs) But, you know, I did see that um, there was some kind of article on a a phone that they wanted to make, I think, Mm -hmm. where you can change the little compartments. It basically looks like really terrible gray Legos. And (laughs) you can add whatever you want or just more of it. What? Um, Yeah, like, I mean, it it didn't come, I don't think it came out. But this was something that they wanted to develop and they were saying, wouldn't it be so much better if if you could just add another compartment for extra memory, like remove a compartment when you want a better camera, you just add the better camera on top by removing the other one instead of just buying. Oh
0: no, what the fuck?
1: You know, how amazing would that be? And also in terms of not creating a landfill of these old, terrible, because the battery died (laughs)
0: iPhones. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting.
1: I mean, even when you go there, and your computer uh, and your phone is messed up, uh, mine dropped in water <laughs> Oh no! Uh, I fell into a very deep puddle in Brooklyn. <laughs>
3: <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> deep could it have been? Was it like a pool? It
1: was so bad. It was New York's a-
0: horrible <laughs> potholes.
1: <laughs> it, it was in the middle of their like snow. Oh uh, yeah, the snow season. And, you know, you get the slush in New York. It's oh, really that
0: sounds horrible.
1: And trying to hail a cab in the middle of the night, we were holding these pizza boxes, and I just <laughs> fell right into one. Oh. And it looks shallow, but it, it could totally drown a person. That's all I'm going to say.
2: Wow. <laughs>
1: and, and, uh, and, and, of course, like, I'm holding the phone up as I fall, and it does nothing. It's completely ruined. And you take it in, and they just take it from you and give you a different one instead of, you know, ever caring how they're going to fix it or... So there's uh, in terms of recyclability, the the whole Apple system is actually I think the worst. PCs at least you can actually kind of recycle, but I, I think all
0: technology you can't really though. It just it gets worse and worse as it ages. The moment that it comes out, true. it's like cars, you know. So true.
1: I mean, certain things are always going to be that way, but I think you know your really good graphic card, somebody will use it as a okay graphic card later on, right? <laughs>
0: Sure, I guess that's that's a good point. You know, I guess there's a moment where they become completely obsolete based off of like um, operating system. For example, I have like um, the second edition iPad, and I loaded the new operating system on it, and I want to I want to kick that shit across the room because it's <laughs> it just, it's it's like here comes Safari. I have to take a I have to go walk downstairs, get a drink of water, come back. It's it's still loading. I'm like, what the fuck? That's that's the unfortunateness of it because they're just filling um, these things up with these new operating system. That's making things that are should shouldn't be obsolete for more years, just destroying but, it basically.
1: But now it's gotten so much worse because before you could, you know, the operating system wouldn't change every month. I was yeah. just having this conversation with someone, as in like, so I had a computer from I had a laptop from 2005. It still works. <laughs> But it can't operate like 15 operating systems ahead of its time, right? So <laughs> yeah. it's having that struggle
2: <laughs> and
1: uh, it became obsolete obviously in two, three years, but I could still kind of use it. Now I can't even touch it. I have one from <laughs> 2009 that's now hitting that exact same level.
0: Yeah, me too.
1: It's just crazy. Before, like, And when I go back home to Turkey... My PC from when I was in high school still works better.
2: So
1: <laughs> that is kind of strange and I think kind of says something. And it's I don't know why, gross. with my family, everything was hand me down in terms of technology. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so my older brothers, <clears throat> like super crazy programmer dudes, uh, hand me downs would come to me, which would still be pretty good. You know, I could, I could still run most things and it was great. Like everything was an upgrade for me.
0: I think that maybe the industry didn't know what it was capable of then. Now it definitely is self-aware and it's just consuming everything in its way.
1: I think so. I think yeah, so.
0: It's My opinion. I mean, I've, I, sh- I can't I say shit though. I have like all new stuff. So I should, <laughs> I should probably shut up cause I'm, I'm no better than anybody, but it's just kind of odd, you know?
1: I think what it also does is it puts that responsibility on your own hands. It does the opposite of what Starbucks did. <clears throat> You know how Starbucks made expensive coffee famous by promising it to be guilt-free, basically. So sure. they would keep everything fair. And you wouldn't have to worry about the people who worked for this coffee because some of this money, it's going to them. So in terms of that guilt-freeness, they, they did a great job at branding. And yeah, I feel yeah. like now technology is the opposite of that, where don't think about where it goes. All this stuff is super toxic, but please don't worry. You know.
0: Yeah, there was. Um, I've heard that there's something about you can buy um, like a, a sin-free iPhone or something. It's like really forty bucks more or something. But the cool thing <laughs> is, is I think it's because um, there's there's a lot of certain like a lot of really particular metals that are used to create a lot of the. the the components of the iPhone and a lot of them come from like the Congo where it's just really fucked up over there. Not the whole country obviously, but big parts of it. Just a lot of madness because there's a lot of people investing money and trying to get these minerals and and resources, but um, it's just a lot of pain happening. And also I think the factory factor in manufacturing, I would look into that more, but Yeah, I mean, being a conscious... uh, I didn't do that, though. I should have. I don't know why I didn't. I think there's like some kind of procedure where you buy it online. I didn't even
1: know that was an option. I mean, you're still a step ahead of me, so...
0: I've heard it. um, Joe Rogan was talking about it um, a ways back on his podcast, and I thought that was pretty unique because they give the option for it, you know, for people to buy something that's 25% more or whatever. um, But guilt-free I suppose you know so I I, I think it's an interesting
1: idea I mean if that's possible I think more people should probably know about it
0: (laughs) my concern is I feel so disconnected from all these things how they're made it's um like I don't a car for example um a car is a as a product of the world you know it's like yeah things come from everywhere to make one car um and it's hard to know Whose life is suffering and why and if it's the direct cause of you wanting to get in a car and be conveniently pushed around you know so
1: i mean i'm sure that's um that's true but at the same time car production started a longer time ago right the the um, you know the lowest level of car production was probably still found at a time where wages weren't this bad and I don't know. I I imagine there to be cuz that was a high-tech job at the time, right? Like
0: Oh yeah, when Ford was doing the, the assembly line and all that stuff. That was that was that was huge. That was a big deal for the world.
1: Cutting an it.
0: It was. Yeah. It's funny to look back and laugh at that stuff, but we're you know, we'll probably look back at iPhones and laugh at that, you know. So.
1: Of course. I mean, we didn't also completely know exactly how much we were messing up the world at the time, I feel. Industrial revolution, we knew we were polluting. Now we know what that led to. But back then, they had very little foresight.
0: Are you concerned? Do you think often about the environment and your effect on it?
1: Um, To some extent. Could I be greener? I think yes. Um, So I'm not going to advocate, you know, how other people aren't doing enough. Sure. But I do worry about all the things that we treat as disposable now—you know, clothing has become disposable for most people, and it has to do with how much it costs, obviously. Yes. You know the Forever Twenty-One kind of shopping, where people donate those clothes and they still go into landfills because the quality of the material is so cheap. They they actually won't take them to donate and stuff for oh, certain. Wow. Oh. Yeah, because it's all polyester. Like it's uh, I don't know. And
0: uh, there's a really great documentary. Sorry to cut in from there, but. Sure. you change that have you seen that documentary about the clothing industry and it's actually the whole theme of it it's based around um the contrast of fashion in this current day and age and i think one of the guys is from i forget the name of the company but he his whole thing was that they would make really amazing quality stuff that will to last a lifetime that was their whole goal um it starts with a c but it, his whole point was that it's same thing that you're saying is they wanted to create one thing that you buy it's more expensive but you buy it once and that's it and that's the jacket you have for your life and that's a big deal for them you know
1: I think it used to be a bit more like that yes. I mean, yes Levi's about- jeans
0: were actually good and stuff like that
1: <laughs> yeah like you mean they didn't fall apart in two months
0: or like the, I think it's because they lost the use of them Levi's were originally created for I think miners um, and miners were just really rough hard people on their clothing and it was used to withstand you know, long days of being out in the, the wilderness and working hard. Now it's just like, oh, I got to walk in the mall. I need my Levi's or something, you know, or walk my poodle around the block or something. <laughs> I just, <laughs> think that
1: my experiences with them, everything has always fallen apart very fast.
0: Hmm. Are you really into fashion then?
1: Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I enjoy it. I considered a career in it when oh, I was growing God. up. Um, so it's always been sort of interesting, I guess, but you, we can't deny that it's a huge industry. We can't deny that a lot of people, one way or another, are affected by it. Um, even people who, who don't care to be fashion conscious, obviously, they wear clothes. So it's, it's this thing. It's beyond uh, design, it's utility, but it's also design, right? I feel like it's great that people who have money have the option to buy things for a lifetime, but... Sadly, I think everybody had to consider that. Um, I mean, if you think about how families operated financially in the 70s and so forth, I think people had to pay attention to that one jacket they had. And they had to wear it for as long as they could and whatever. And I think the, um, the mindset has changed so much. and There isn't one party to blame regarding that. And it's not just regarding fashion either, as we were saying, technology, because obviously with uh, with capitalism, you just try to get people to spend as much money as possible. And at some point, they only need one of one thing isn't going to work for them. <laughs>
0: yeah, because it, it ruins their consistency or their... But I think, what do you think of it as being, do you think it's possibly a downward spiral because of the design of it in general? Uh, what do you mean? So let's say, um, for example, um, so you, we mentioned, and I agree with you, is the concept of capitalism is counterproductive. Like it's countering if you just make one thing that's great for somebody to use, um, mm-hmm. could, because if, if you go back down the line of that business, is that business owner invests probably half of their year's earnings on this machine that produces that jacket, and mm-hmm. once everybody buys it, if they can't turn a profit from there, then they like they can't provide for their families and they can't own their own house and all this yada yada i mean sometimes it's obviously different but what i'm saying is it's almost like a this is my own theory this is my (laughs) concept but when we were as humans um when we first developed uh socially and we were grouping together um there was a certain amount of number there's a certain number of humans that can work together and became became social creatures but we became very um uh i guess responsible um, for our actions and the things that we do and now the number is so big it's unquantifiable for most people to even fathom or conceive and so it feels like an invisible thing that doesn't exist that makes sense
1: Um, yeah i think so it's also so much production is done around the world at this point it's hard for people to imagine and even with our uh most well-intending white guilt moments. (laughs) I (laughs) think we can, you know, like people saying it's so messed up for that kind of salary to be paid in another country. Yes. But also you need a lot less money to exist there too. It doesn't mean that they shouldn't get paid more, but you know, like it's really hard to have a very educated opinion on some of this stuff. I think.
0: I I, I agree. It's become
1: harder to judge uh, whether we like it or not.
0: I don't think, I think it's actually you, you, from my estimation, it's it's hard to judge anything at all, really, until you've actually actually either A experienced it or know that person through and through. That's
1: how I feel
0: too. Yeah, but that's not really possible, right? Because there are, I don't know, billions of people on Earth. I, I don't even look up the number because it makes me so scared to know. <laughs> Because it's
1: like when you're a college student, you're scared to look at your bank account. It's the mm-hmm. stupid mm-hmm. feeling of like, no, nope. I don't true. know. <laughs>
0: it's scary. Yes, indeed. But I think that uh, I'll definitely send you the link to the fashion thing and I'll let everybody else know because it brings up all these socially conscious things. It's about, they talk about the future, the technology of clothing, um, mm-hmm. creating sustainable clothing, clothing that actually works which actually is kind of cool to lead into a piece of work that you created that's on your site about the various women that you've seen in Los Angeles. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's just really cool. I'm curious to see where, where did this come about? Did you just observe observing people or?
1: Um, when I was at Sony, I had a mentor named Marcelo Vignali. He's uh, one of those great people that I've talked about who's worked on like so many movies that I grew up with and love. And uh, he does this thing where on Fridays we used to go to a nearby cafe and draw people who are around us. And uh, he had a very open uh, door policy to you know people that we knew basically. So there was there would be some some production artists, some animators who animate in 3D and don't really draw, and there'd be people who are character designers. It'd just be a random bunch of people drawing together, which you know to to people a group of people sitting there with sketchbooks and looking at them is really scary. I know
2: <laughs>
1: it's also really scary to be sitting there because people come over and you're like, I don't want to show you the sketch of you because it's really mean.
0: <laughs> yeah, of course. Caricatures. Yeah.
1: But it started with that. Um, he's great. By the way, if anybody uh, doesn't know him, please I,
0: tell me his I, name again.
1: Uh, Marcelo Vignali. I'll send you a link so please, you can put it. Yeah. Make- yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Really you. awesome guy. Big, big, big heart, but also insane talent, obviously. Um, and uh, you know, I, I kind of later realized that drawing in different places definitely yielded different results. So um, the drawings on the website are actually kind of old. Since then, um, I've been also keeping track of where I'm drawing these people because Sony, which is in Culver City, has a very Culver City kind of crowd, and then my studio that's in the arts district, if I draw downstairs, that's a completely different crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, Burbank is clearly a different crowd.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a little <laughs> bit.
1: Mm, very different. Venice
0: is different.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, Venice is a gold mine.
0: Yeah, uh, it is. There's so much uh, different personalities there.
1: Yeah, and I mean, um, arts district is a bit different now than, than maybe two years ago when I joined the space, but uh, we would also get this really unique combination of locals and homeless people but they all knew one another and also some hipster kids you know Hmm. so you literally get the best sample of all sorts of la people but i just think it's really really interesting and um
0: how many of these do you have now
1: i never counted them Hmm. i have a stack uh the annoying thing is of course you run out of space and it's really hard to keep the stuff organized but I was thinking eventually making a book out of them would be kind of interesting.
0: I think that'd be really awesome. Let me know <laughs> and I'll support that and buy one. Thank you. It's a beautiful style. And so my understanding is you go out um, in these different spaces, find somebody with character that you can kind of manifest through your observation and drawing. You draw them um, on paper then.
2: I'm assuming.
1: Um, Yeah. Most of the time, I think some of those are digital, but they were drawn, they were sketched on in the night uh rendered them to some extent
0: what's your process usually like because i I have an idea of where you're how it is but i'm just curious
1: um i don't really have a very clear process it really depends on the style if i can i like to sketch uh on paper but most places it's even hard even hard to find a scanner at this point
2: so
0: you just take a picture with your phone and put it in your
1: sometimes um But usually there is no time for sketching on paper anyway. So I just do everything digitally. But it really depends in, in again, the style that we're going for.
0: Yeah. Do you, do you draw digitally on like a pad when you go out and about?
1: Uh, no, I actually prefer to draw on paper if I can. Yeah, but me too. To, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Well, I think it's just where I come from, you know, like, I don't know, just as it reminds me of. Um, as a kid, and I don't know. Yeah, I just feel like the
1: possibilities are so much more endless on paper, even though that's totally not true, right?
0: I think so. The um, infinity um, of
1: white paper is very interesting.
0: It can be intimidating. I guess it depends on your mindset. You know,
1: that's I, why I work on cheap paper. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> no, it's true. All of my work, not all of it, but so much of my work is on copier paper. It's it's upsetting. <laughs>
0: I think that's actually really interesting to bring up because I don't know if you've experienced it, but I have personally, especially after watching, like, let's say, like, use an example, like James Jean, who probably has the best sketchbook since, like, Da Vinci. I damn him. (laughs) But do you know what I'm saying? If you say, like, you have a sketchbook and you've drawn a couple really stellar pieces in there, and then the moment that you draw something kind of subpar or shitty, you're like, ah, what the hell (laughs) I always had a
1: problem with that too like uh, (laughs) yeah I have a hard time keeping very clean sketchbooks because I don't like committing to a certain level of something in a book to me it really limits me from trying something new yes I want to draw a lot of terrible things so I can come across one some one really unique weird thing as opposed to just drawing the same style repeatedly. I think someone like James Jean has a very basic home style. It changes throughout his career, obviously, but he's committed to his one style, you know, yes. Than some other artists, I, I would say that I'm not as committed to one style. Um, which, he definitely
0: branded himself with that style. That's yes,
1: sure. and, and, and this is not to say that he couldn't do another style. I'm sure he could.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: but does he want to? That's a whole different question.
0: Yeah, um, going to get him on the podcast and ask him that. Someday. You should. I yeah.
1: feel like that would be a very interesting interview. He would so definitely too. not yeah. go into landfills, or maybe <laughs> <but> who knows? <laughs>
0: Yeah, it would be interesting. I get
1: sidetracked. Feel no, free to heard no, this conversation.
0: No, that's okay. I think that's really good. I think as artists, um, personally, it's natural for us to jump around, and I feel that that's where really interesting conversation comes from. So don't apologize. It's all good. I just I, and I do the same thing constantly. So yeah, same for you. So you can let me know. But I think that there's um, you mentioned quite a few things there that I think are really interesting. do, do you, you said that you live at like an artist community or like a loft?
1: Uh, I don't live in an artist community, but we have a space where we only do artwork. Okay. Uh, Separate from my living space. That's smart. Uh, Well, I'm just really lucky that I found myself in this situation because I didn't know how important this was going to be for me until I did it. And now I can't imagine ever having my art stuff at home.
0: (laughs) The separation (laughs) helps you?
1: It puts my mind at ease when I go home. I mean... I literally try to keep nothing at home, so I can't do anything, even if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Like, at best, maybe there'll be some paper, but even finding blank pieces was hard. Like, I, I would have lined paper, so I could write things down on sketch, but not really, you know.
0: That's interesting. It's very opposite to me. My, house, my, my office is adjacent to my bedroom, so, like, I roll right into my office.
2: Do you, <laughs> you like... Know?
0: Um, you know, I don't know any different, really. The only difference I have is when I work at studios and, um, I personally, I crawl out of my skin when I have to go to a studio. So.
1: <laughs> I know what you mean. You
0: know what I mean? And I, I personally, um, I'm really a, to- a task oriented person, so I like to not be distracted when I need to work. So. I
1: like that too. And I actually find the open space policy that all these studios have. Extremely distracting. Yes. Yeah. I can't, I, I'm maybe at 40% productivity. Yes. <laughs> because there's constantly things going on and I really need to focus. There was a really interesting, I wonder what this was actually in. So sorry for not being able to remember it. Okay. But I believe it was one of the nine old men and one of their apprentices was talking about it. Speaking of Disney. Um,
0: Disney bomb. This this podcast is yeah. sponsored by Disney, by the way. Oh <laughs> well,
1: pretty much everything is owned by Disney, so I'm pretty sure that's not a, um Soon they might buy you. You might. You might never know.
0: Our souls,
2: yeah. Yeah, my <laughs> firstborn.
1: I visited Disney a few times. I'm sure my first firstborn is theirs. Yeah. Um, but what was I going to say? Oh, I think it was uh, Milt Call or someone. They they were talking to they were giving notes or talk and one of their apprentices animators asked something like, do you listen to music when you draw?
0: Oh yeah. I love this one.
1: And then he gets really angry. And says so I was like, I can't do more than one thing at a time. What are you talking about? He's <laughs> like, and just like lose it. <laughs> and I thought that was always really interesting. Cause it sounds like such an exaggeration, but yep. it's not, it's not. And, uh, with all the stuff, this is why I have to close down all my browsers and stuff. I, I just, it's so hard. It's, And now, more than ever, I mean, can you imagine that guy existing now and having to do
2: with
1: Facebook and
2: Twitter?
0: No. He would throw up, probably, from nausea. Or he would Um,
1: just unplug everything, maybe. I
0: I Uh, think that just goes to show how badass Milt was and all those guys were, you know, um, the sheer dedication. And I think that translates to their work, and their work is so good because you feel that purity. You know what I mean?
1: I think, I mean it's kind of really interesting looking at the quality of stuff they've produced when there wasn't another melt call to look at when there wasn't, you know,
0: right. You know, another, it's,
1: it's crazy. Right. Can you imagine
0: uh, being that person doing that?
1: I mean, I can't, I really can. And a lot of, for a while it was kind of like, if you want a job at Disney, you go through training and you have a job at Disney. Like it seems <laughs> like it was a lot more in the beginning, at least it was a lot more, uh, like trial and error so how do like there were no intense animation reels right yes how did these people get trained and get jobs and make that kind of work i honestly don't I, I can't imagine it i don't know if walt disney could imagine it at the time what it was going to turn into
0: no of course not i think maybe he had an inclination of what it might be and a desire but yeah. nobody could perceive the the amount of um impact that it's had on the world you know as a whole but it distills down to the people that are head working there as these intense people you know it makes sense to me anytime i hear that i feel like such a failure though because i'm like always blasting music while i work (laughs) i've heard that that story right i mean you're
1: stuck on audiobooks so
0: (laughs) yeah that's a good example too can you imagine saying hey can you would you be able to paint or draw while somebody's sitting in your room by like, <laughs> reading a book to you? Uh-huh. No! <laughs>
1: well, that, that feels different, right? If there's somebody else physically there, I think it would be too distracting, too.
0: Yes, that's this true.
1: Is a, this is a person I don't have to be polite to. Like, <laughs> recorded this. <laughs> Shut
0: up, time. person. Pause them. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah, sh- <laughs> what audiobooks are you into right now?
1: Um, for work, I find that comedy works really well. Hmm. because it keeps me entertained and it keeps me interested.
0: Comedy books?
1: Comedy, like uh, comedians writing books. Like for a while there was a big trend. I think Tina Fey was really in the forefront of it, you know? Like first time I listened to Bossy Pants was at work when I was rendering something I didn't want to be rendering. (laughs) Very little attention to to like attention span was so short mm-hmm. I Had to put her on and I was like, okay, well I can commit to Tina Fey for eight hours <laughs> so hard and time flies by. So it was so easy. Oh, but true. right now I'm trying to listen to, uh, this is really weird, but, um, I'm trying to listen to this book called the opposite of spoiled. Uh, two friends of mine have this other podcast together, uh, I don't know if I should plug it in. Should yeah, please.
0: Yeah. Plug it. Yeah, of course. They
1: have this really great podcast called call your girlfriend.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, it's produced by Gina Delvac. And it's a, uh, it's the, these conversations between two um, long distance best friends. One of them is a- Ann Friedman, who's a writer. And the other one is Aminatosu. She works in uh, Silicon Valley from what I gather, or like technology. She works in technology, but um, they talk about different topics and they talked about, Finances recently, which is a topic that I feel like I want to talk to people about, but I'm too shy.
0: We should do that. Let's definitely talk about that here too. I won't let us forget it. So I'll put it on my notes.
1: I mean, making making maybe for instance, you guys making an episode focused on finance would be probably mind blowing to most people, right? Like freelancing full time. What do you charge? What do you save? Like where do you put your money? Blah blah blah. I think it's interesting because so many of us, if you start becoming kind of successful in advertisement, you make a decent day, right? Right. Yeah. But what do you do with it? How do you keep it and blah, blah, blah. Maybe even when you first graduate, this power that you suddenly have, that's called money. It's like, Mm -hmm. how do you handle that? How do you write the dragon? <laughs> Come on, alive.
0: I'd love to talk about that with you. I don't want you, you to get, I don't want to, sorry, I didn't mean to derail you from your conversation about the but podcast thing, but let's definitely talk about that. If you're comfortable, it's up to you, though.
1: Um, to what extent is the question, really? But well, yeah. my point that I was going to make is I was listening, I started listening to this audiobook. And it's really more about teaching your kids and how to teach your kids to be good with money oh, because my parents never sat down and had actual financial talks with me. So it was like, maybe I can parent my own self throughout this book. That's cool. <laughs> Just uh, trying to fill in that gap, which is tough to fill.
0: <laughs> I have a nine-year-old daughter and I'm still working on that. So. Yeah.
1: Oh my God, this book is perfect. Just
0: yeah. I mean,
1: it's it. a great, great, great start. Also, yeah, I-, Dad, I love you
0: sorry well parents are perfect it's no
1: (laughs) shade. i promise
0: yeah
1: so it's kind of funny i mean i'm happy i don't have any debt like you know i'm i don't owe anything to anyone
0: that's awesome congratulations to that thank
1: you thank you so much but i also got lucky i think in general um a lot of people have far more student loans and stuff and i know like i can't even begin to comprehend, like, owing that much money.
0: Sounds like you work pretty hard, though, right?
1: I work hard, but I think I was also pretty lucky to begin with. I got a pretty good reward, I think, or award. I don't know what it's called. Where... Scholarship? Um, it wasn't a scholarship because I didn't have to keep up an, a, a GPA. Okay. But it was something I got in through my portfolio when I applied to school and stuff. And my parents awesome. were... Yeah, I, I was I was super lucky. I know people are um, in in tougher positions for the most part, and you know I sympathize as much as I can. But um, but you know I still find the subject of uh, saving and actually buying a really expensive house, for instance, to be this mind-boggling thing. I know my friends can do it. I know I know people get into these mortgages; it's doable.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm in the middle of one right now.
1: Yeah? Are you buying right now?
0: Well, I've, I've owned a house for five years now in San Diego. And so okay. I'm looking to sell this one soon to buy a bigger house. How cool is that? <laughs>
1: I'm the crazy. Okay. What's that? It's the American dream.
0: I think so. Yeah, definitely. I, I find it interesting, though, when you use the word luck. Do you believe in luck or do you believe in manifestation? Or what's your thoughts on those two concepts?
1: Um, it, depending on the subject... You know, I think in terms of what family you're born into, I don't know what else to call it. Uh, You know, we can't ignore the fact that some of us are born into really great families with uh, certain options at hand, and some of us aren't. So, I don't know. I would rather call it luck than destiny, you know. I'm not very religious, so that's probably how I would handle it.
2: Yeah, same. But in
1: terms of manifesting, you know, opportunities for your own life in in a sector that you try to go into or, you know, working really hard to achieve a job that you wanted or similar things, I think obviously there's a lot of manifestation, as you said. I believe in that, too. But
0: in- Intention, huh? You think maybe it's intention? Intention,
1: I think, you know... Your attitude towards it changes a lot of what you can accept and what you can't right
0: that's a great way to look at it
1: I mean there are so many opportunities that you can catch at any given moment if you can see them right yes. but if you're really focused on one thing it's going to be really hard for you to see how great something else might be
0: in the or, eye of the beholder
1: exactly so it's similar to that I think like uh it's like I, can't, I am it's kind of like discussing the idea of beauty, right? Like, yes, it's just tough. I think,
0: but what what do you think? Uh, I would have to agree with you. I think, um, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And I also think that, um, perception is your, is your own world really, you know? So, um, sometimes I think for me personally, it's easy to get caught up in my own, um, Hmm. my own storm that I, I self-inflict just because sometimes I that's like to be a little crazy. That's
1: <laughs> all of us. What do you mean you feel crazy?
0: Because mm-hmm. uh, um, I, I, personally, as a as a creative, I burn at a very high rate. Like I, I, I only work best when I'm sprinting, doing a hundred things. Like that's that's how I roll. That's like how this is. My wife always says I'm very um, black or white. Basically, so, hmm. I'm trying to work work on the the um, the gray. You know? <laughs> <laughs> It's really challenging. a though. terrible
1: pun book joke here. Yes. Um, <laughs> just because I completely like dislike that franchise so much, I will stay out of it. What's that? The the like the terrible book that's turned into a movie and stuff. <laughs> just like so so bad. Yeah. Know, or yeah. the messages are terrible.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: For what I hear, I mean I, I haven't actually read it, so maybe I should not be so black and white about it, but
0: uh, Yeah. It's that Grey movie, right? Is that what you're talking about?
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Fifty Shades of Grey, is that what it is? I think so. Andrew, speak about this, because I, I haven't
3: seen Have
1: it. Have you watched it, Andrew? Tell yeah, us.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm very well-versed. I saw it in IMAX. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. we yeah. got to also talk about Chipotle, too. So, But go on about this. What's, what's your thoughts on this film, Andrew? I mean, I thought it was really
3: not good. My brother read the book what? because he was curious, which was hilariously enough the tagline of the like their ad campaign for the movie like are you curious <laughs> and like that was but he actually he read the book right after he read Moby Dick just to see like what the hype <laughs> is about I
2: love
3: yeah and then uh so then me and him and my roommate all went to see it in uh IMAX and it was exactly as bad as we were all expecting hmm. I heard it's very demeaning
0: towards women or something like that yeah
3: it's like ridiculously demeaning and like that's so what amazing. me. About. I'll never watch it. So it's basically like this girl. Spoiler alert. Press pause if you want to watch Don't know movie if it's people. a spoiler. It's kind of like the entire point of the movie. Like it never progresses past any one idea. Okay. But like it's basically just like this girl gets in this relationship with this guy who's like a billionaire, and she's just some regular plain Jane. And then uh, he like has this weird sexual like lifestyle where he needs to be like some sadistic, like, sex freak in the bedroom, but she has to, like, sign contracts and agree to, like, be his sex slave, basically. And (laughs) it's, like, it's I know just saying this back just makes me realize how (laughs) ridiculous it is. And, like, the crazy thing is that it has, like, sold hundreds of millions of copies all around the world and women everywhere are just, like, in love with it because of how, like, I guess, descriptive and grossly detailed it is. But the movie itself wasn't even... It was barely even like R-rated,
0: in my opinion. My wife read the book, and she was telling me about it, and it sounded like a porno. I'm like, what the hell are you reading yeah. over there? I mean, Nick.
1: the thing is, I think people read and watch for more obscene things.
2: Yeah. Right? I, I mean,
1: know. let's not get into dudes watching stuff and how <laughs> that it Because I don't think that's, that's a battle to be won by anyone.
0: Oh, what's but,
1: but the interesting thing is... Um, you know, to each his own, like, I, I would totally understand if that's a turn on for someone. I just find it hard to commit. Like, I work in entertainment, as you guys know. So, you know, I deal with an sexism on a daily basis where I don't think I need any more of it in my, like, I don't need to move towards that in the movie. So I go to the movies. It's not what I want. Like, it's, it's too much for me.
0: No, so I haven't seen so it. I, I won't watch it, though. It sounds ridiculous. So. Yeah, don't do it. <laughs> But I remember... <laughs> but now for-
1: you intrigued. Now you kind of want to watch it.
3: Uh,
0: nah. Curious? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you he he's, work
1: for them, Andrew,
0: <laughs> He's getting paid by the the C word. He's Paid by the tagline. Dollar tagline. Yeah. Tag <laughs> uh, which actually, that's actually interesting that you bring that up, too. Um, your experience with, like, is it the unfair ratio or... What's your experience like being a woman in this industry?
1: Um, This, define this.
0: (laughs) Um, Give me the positive and the negative. Kind of paint a a, a, a visual um, kind of picture for me as an experience for you, good and bad.
1: Um, uh, If you could. Sure, I'll try. (laughs) I feel like um, there's, there's quite a few positives as to like, um wait, let's start with the negatives, maybe.
0: Let's do the negatives and we'll end with the think positive. It,
1: I think it depends on the industry. It's very different. Uh such as let's say at a place like Buck, I'm working with them right now, where I think the the guys there I would say are pretty evolved in terms of like I I don't imagine anybody there looking at any of their female. Peers and, and actually looking down upon them because they're women, or or even without thinking, you know, there's the really unintended kind of sexism which you come across a lot more actually. Sure. Um, I don't think there's that there either, and that's in in places that actually have strong female characters within the crowd, and I would say that about Bug, for instance, uh, like really strong EPs who are women, or maybe creative directors who are women. I think there tends to be more respect in terms of, oh, could this person do this job? It's, it's answered with their talent and skill set instead of their gender, which is really great. That's cool. You know? Yeah. And, and you
0: said sad- the negative, this is good.
1: Sa- well, well, I, mean, I was going to you. sadly, it's not really the case in most places where sure. you say something and, um, like a dude repeats exactly what you said and they're like, that's a great idea. And you're like, oh. that's great. And, and you don't want to be the person to every time say, that was my idea, because that's really annoying. Sure. But first of all, having to say it is annoying, but I'm sure hearing it is even more annoying. But you know, at times like that, it's hard to get, <clears throat> it's hard to not get jaded because you're like, yeah, that's what I just said. You know sure. What?
0: I'd be pissed too. I've had and, that happen. I hate that shit.
1: Yeah. I mean, when it happens to other people, I try to. Be like, hey, that was a great idea, so and so. brought, yes, like Good. we should yes. go this way. But unless people stand up for the, for each other, I don't think that's really gonna work.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. Uh, it kind of depends. Like uh, in bigger companies, I found that there was sometimes more sexism. Uh, motion is very different. I feel like in production companies, the rules are a little looser you know, nobody's going to get sued because probably not going to get sued because they made advances or whatever. So people feel more freely to do so, hmm. um, which is not always welcome, I should say. And, uh, you also see it kind of happen in a very red riding hood and wolf kind of way from afar where you're like, Oh, that girl, ah, like <laughs> the, the really young, girl who's interning who doesn't really speak English. I'm worried about her, right? Like, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like, ah, I can see it from here. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: That's interesting.
1: uh, Yeah. It's, it's a bit weird. And then in other ways, I feel like, uh, sometimes your organization skills and your way of looking at things can be so different that it brings completely different problems. Uh, maybe this is just my upbringing, but there's this need to constantly not let anyone down. (laughs) So I feel like you, as a woman, you constantly have to balance like what you're comfortable with and what's going to actually work or whatever.
0: Can you extrapolate on that? If you don't mind, like um, what do you mean by that?
1: Um, Just on a regular basis. There's this notion of, like, if you're a woman, for instance, walking along uh, alone in the street and a somebody comes by, you have a chance to... You are you have a million options you're picking from. Am I going to pick being polite over being protective of myself? Am I going to, like, be nice? Because we're kind of programmed to be nice, right? Yeah. Um, like, it, what is... If this person is dangerous, is this person dangerous? If this person is dangerous, then... What's gonna be the bigger, better bet here? Is is it gonna to be to not engage and walk away? Is it gonna to be to be polite and walk away? Is it gonna to be to tell them to you know um, fuck off and then walking away? Is that gonna be the safest thing? So you constantly try to find like the best solution. I think you have to take all these things into consideration. I'm sure for dudes too, this is true sometimes, but for for women, I think it's a little bit more pronounced.
0: Yes. Yeah, totally different situation i think
1: yeah so so maybe this kind of thinking too comes into play maybe just for me when you're like oh like this is a terrible design idea but the client wants this what does the client really want like how can i give them something that uh answers their questions yet still has some artistic integrity like yes how can we do that? And, and um
0: that's a shared task, though, don't you, wouldn't she you say? Totally. Think? totally
1: yeah. but, but it's all
0: problem solving, right? And mind reading, <laughs> navigating. Totally, totally.
1: <laughs> maybe yeah. that's it. Maybe you just have to mind read more. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes. So maybe I really it.
0: think it's a mind read game, I think, yeah. personally.
1: I think so, too. But um, the point I was going to make is uh, maybe it's because I pitch a lot, too. You know, mm. you have to guess what the client is wanting, kind of, because there's the client, the agency, your creatives, you, like, so many things thrown into the mix. and The notes you're getting, who knows where they're coming from.
0: Yeah. So and Sometimes that's maybe it's better even if it's kind of transparent, too, you know, so there isn't yeah. a connotation or anything associated with it as well. Yeah. What's your, what's your thought on the, um, the whole process of how this work gets done? Um, from my experience and my understanding, it's, I mean, I could just tell you what I've experienced. and yeah. what, So it's um, a client that has the money, reaches out to, blindly reaches out to like an agency. An agency will hire somebody, say like Buck, for example, and I, I don't want to get in trouble for using their name, so I'll just come up with somebody else, a vendor basically. And then the vendor um, will bring in a team or has a team on staff and then they tackle out the job. But the, usually the, most of the time, the person that's actually doing the work is the person all the way at the bottom. like maybe like five of those people (laughs) and then the way the money just gets distributed it's really interesting you know i find it to be fascinating
1: oh the money distribution thing is you're you're a hundred percent on i think (laughs)
2: like
1: in terms of the labor that's put in the people who are putting in the labor usually do tend to make the least amount of money uh which is ironic kind of ironic yeah Hmm. but i do think um and this is, this is a tough one <laughs> to not offend anyone, but I think um, there is a lot more that goes into putting something very successful together than just the labor part of it. Yes. Uh, and it's trying to credit this to anyone in particular that I think makes a lot of problems arise, because the, uh, the agency has obviously been working on this one idea for like three, five years already, right? Like, they finally sold it to a client and now they're coming to the production company so they think we are just there to execute. And then we get their stuff and we're like, this doesn't look good. We need to make it look
2: better. Sure, sure.
1: So so now here we are like trying to actually make it really, really, really interesting. And I feel like unless at the very top you have a company that actually wants to make something innovative, it's really tough to um, keep integrity Obviously, because that's who you're pleasing, but more importantly, like everybody is then creative enough to be innovative because their point wasn't that. Um, For instance, I think it's harder to do that with Nike sometimes because they try to go for, I mean, not every every job that they do, obviously, but um, especially in the 90s, like they had a completely different take on advertising than most companies. of just like bombarding you with like 80s cuts of the really shiny stuff. Yeah. Very MTV mixed with I don't know it was a terrible time to watch commercials, I feel.
0: Yeah, there was some good. I think there is bad there was now though too. I can't stand commercials personally, but that's because I work on them or I know that how they work. So Right. Yeah. Right. So I just want to throw up or punch the TV. It's very rare where I see something or I get inspired. It's really rare when I see a commercial and go well, that was great.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I feel very similarly, but, um, yeah, I, I do think sometimes, uh, if you're lucky, you do end up with creative directors who push you well, for instance, or directors. Um, for me, the things that I care about will probably be different than some other designers, but, uh, I always like working with directors to have interest in story or they try to do something interesting with every script they get. I mean, there are a few people I worked with that I really appreciated. And I think just showing, just looking at them work, uh, made me realize that there could be that kind of directors. And that was really interesting. Um, I used to work a lot with Andy Hall. At uh, he used to be at a five He's directing for rock paper scissors now. Um, not rock paper scissors, sorry, elastic. Sorry. I always get confused.
0: Yeah. I think they changed like a, they all branch to different names right
1: oh uh, they have different divisions from what I gather uh, yeah. like Five 5.2 is the visual effects ish division
0: No, Elastic's more of the commercial and title sequence yeah there, right?
1: yeah they they are very connected and they are super hand in hand but it's uh, smart
0: smart to do that
1: yeah I think I mean I think it was a great move on it's bread it
0: next. diversifies the company yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and I mean and they have people to rely on who they constantly see every day and <laughs> It's true. The bigger goal is the bigger company standing in together probably. So it's nice. But um, anyway, working with him, like he would take even the weirdest briefs and calls and make them personal or make them interesting and try to have a point of view. And I don't know, it was really, really great to see somebody at work who had that kind of mindset because it's,
2: yeah.
1: it's rare.
0: <laughs> yeah, putting the soul into something or willing to put themselves out to, to possibly... I think maybe you brought up the word jaded. I can relate to that word. I think that's an interesting word too, especially to use in this industry. If you've been doing, if you've been working in this industry for long enough, at least for me, um, <laughs> you become jaded. Um, that's for me, though, personally.
1: No, I I, I completely agree, and uh, I think that's part of the challenge of the industry too. Right? It's how do you keep it going at that rate and see all the stuff and. Still be, you know, excited or not jaded. What's the opposite of jaded? Opposite of spoiled.
0: <laughs> I think enlightened, maybe. Enlightened. But I,
1: but being um, being bushy-tailed, doughy eyed and bushy—is that the same?
2: <laughs>
1: being so naive and like sparkly about everything yes. is necessarily enlightened either. It is the opposite of jaded though. Yeah,
0: right? I, like I, the, I, the innocence. I remember being. The first time entering into this, this industry, I was very um, naive, and but I love that energy because the naivety of that uh, allowed me to open up really great
1: opportunities
0: for me. You know,
1: I think so too. I mean, that's the funny thing. That's also funny enough. Really prominent in fashion, obviously, right? Sure. As long as they have the spark, they're good. You know, as long as they're naive and not jaded yet, or whatever.
0: Perhaps because that, I mean, they're very similar, I guess, um, in the sense that they're seasonal or they're constantly pumping shit out, like constantly.
1: Yeah, it's really about cutting edge or... Yeah.
0: uh, I think that the the interesting concept with this is um, to bring in the concept of taking breaks or allowing your mind and your body to reset. Um,
1: Do you do that that often enough?
0: uh, It's hard because I live in an expensive-ass place and I have a family. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> and you're changing houses
0: yes and I'm adding more dirt to my pile <laughs> but um you know I can't make excuses I think for me I'm personally I'm currently in a big transition and so mm-hmm. it's challenging for me to make a um yeah like take a big break basically Stefan um, Sagmeister has this interesting thing where I think it's every
1: oh I love that he's my design hero
0: <laughs> yeah, he's. He, I think the thing I really admire about him is his personality and the way that he approaches things in this life I think it creates thought and I think it's deep connected to a lot of us yeah. the decisions that he makes as a creative is very unique
1: I think so too and and I love that his work his personal work really feels like it is for him yeah you know he's sometimes even in its own way it doesn't really uh, what's what's the right way to say this I feel like when people see it on its own it's not the most impressive thing to some people but you know it doesn't it doesn't take your breath away in a flashy sort of way uh, for for I mean that's that's what I hear from my friends and that's what I see sometimes but to me it is better design and it's kind of almost like more naive playful form too where clearly he's not trying to make this to sell it it's very interesting
0: he's um the type of creative i think that's set himself up in a very unique interesting world part of the world um how the world operates um mm-hmm. but i think that's based off of choices you know it makes sense yeah.
1: I feel like he makes really interesting choices. I agree.
0: Yes. And I think those choices yield great and unique work. And for me, it's just eye-opening. I love to hear how other artists have created different um, opportunities for themselves because it just, for example, like I'm making a video game right now because my friends have inspired me so much to do so because they've showed me the effort that they've done with their video games, the same effort that I put in my own shit every day. It's just different a little bit, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, I get really intensely into things at times.
2: It's good. <laughs> Maybe
1: I'm very black and white too, like you're saying.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But, you know, when, I, when I'm obsessed with something, I can't shut up about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm going to stop. And I will say, you know, with this, I will stop this conversation. But sometimes I find that that's exciting for some of my friends to listen to because it reminds them of the things that they're excited about. Um, one of my friends is also a designer, started doing a lot of martial arts and Krav Maga. Mm-hmm. And she actually, I think, is doing it pretty, like she's very dedicated. So obviously we would talk about art and we could you know, share things and be excited. And then when I picked up tennis, uh, our, our feelings about picking up these sports and just, uh, you know, the concept was, getting better at something that isn't art, but also feeling how that progresses and what that brings into your way of thinking and stuff. And it was really interesting because clearly the two things we're doing are not similar, not really, you know, but there is that common, common. There
0: are, yeah. They're very connected, but they're different because it's you, right?
1: Yeah. And you, you feed, uh, all of each other's energy in that, in that sense. Yes. Yeah, like I don't need her to be into tennis. Like it still works.
0: Yes. That's a beautiful way of looking at it. I I, I trained jujitsu and I think jujitsu um, has given me in my life so much dynamics and unique characteristics. Tell uh, I me mean a lot about myself personally.
1: Well, there's also a particular aspect of martial arts that goes into that, right? I mean, it wasn't only meant to be a fighting thing for most of them. It was far more than that. Sure. Um one of my studio mates, uh, he's an animator director. So we talk about that a lot. And also he has trained, uh, this very particular kind of karate for a long time. <laughs> he's starting his own dojo, which is crazy. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Like they asked him, I think, to start his own dojo. And, uh, they seem to be very, to be very protective of this kind of karate. So I think it's a pretty big deal, but, uh, he always, always, always talks about how much uh, it's this, this practice has taught him about life. And it sounds like an 80s movie, but it's true, right?
0: It's very true.
1: So much discipline and just compassion, control.
0: But made 80s mo- movies so good.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's really that stuff that makes them good, not what we thought was cool about them.
0: <laughs> no, yeah. That's really cool. I think that's that's great. What was your last obsession?
1: Uh, it's still tennis. It's still going on. <laughs> I, f-
0: I find that a lot of really high-level jujitsu guys are into tennis. Really? I, okay. I think it's because with tennis, for example, I'm not a huge fan of it, but I understand the dynamics. And the only reason I'm not a huge fan of it is because I haven't allowed it into my life yet. There's many things I'm not a big fan of just because I haven't allowed it in my life. But I think with tennis, it's um it's a very beautiful one-on-one interaction between two human beings and there's once you really know what you're looking for you're finding all the subtle nuances the attitude the subtleties and it's chess basically you know
1: it kind of is it's it's super interesting to watch when you get into it especially when you watch pros play
0: oh god i can't imagine yeah
1: (laughs) but um i'm sure on that level it's not that different than jiu-jitsu right like you're you're um respect for that person and all the things you can see them do. It's it's so exciting. It's much more exciting than maybe sometimes being able to do it yourself. Like it's just so great. Something to appreciate so much.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: It's cool to see them, uh, have this very psychological moment, you know, like it's, it's right there. They're going through it. They're in front of hundreds of thousands of people, but they're doing, they're alone. Like it's like being on a podium and it's, so demanding obviously and i don't know i just think it's very beautiful on a weird level
0: i think beautiful is a word perfect word to say it and i think it's the exchange of humans really at the core of it and i think yeah. the reason why we're attracted to such things is my own personal take is that we're kind of mirrors of one another and when you find somebody that is on your level that you can see in your visual mirror um say like two professionals at it that's a one professional makes the other one better because it's like iron sharpens iron, you know, and it's a very, uh, it's a very unique characteristic of being a human, I think, which is the good thing <laughs> and the bad, you know, so.
1: I feel like that's so beautiful. That's very poetic. I really uh, like it.
0: Well, that's a passage from the Bible, I think, is the iron sharpens <laughs> iron. Yeah.
1: Well, so that's, I, that's speaking of the explanation you gave, but hmm. um, again... Can't.
0: Something I love and you brought up also directing and um, you actually kind of touched on it. I felt in your earlier in the podcast, but which leads me to opening up this concept of directing and my personal understanding of being directing things myself is I've acknowledged that my uh, responsibility as a director, and I think you would probably connect with this. I'm just guessing, but a great director isn't is is a person that is they facilitate the to pull out the potential in their in their team, basically. Mm-hmm. That's their job wow. is to, to relinqu- like release the potential in their collaborators, you know.
1: I see it more that way too. Um, with the with the note of I do think it has to have a point of view and I think like the the director is only as good as what their team can afford them but also the team is only as good as the director can lead them. So it's this balancing act. It's, it's, it's the, the, the the point you made about, you know, the tennis situation, for instance, we bring out the things that we see in one another that we can recognize. And I think that moment is beautiful regardless of whatever it's happening around. And, uh, I don't think the production is much different than that. It's just a much bigger scale and it's, Maybe it's a little harder to see because it's a bigger picture thing. but um, And I don't know what constitutes a good director and a bad director. I wouldn't be able to answer that. But I know the directors that I like tend to do exactly what you said, you know? The people I respect most. like They share um,
0: the responsibility, I think, too. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and I think it's really everybody wanting to bring the most they can to the play. And also um, them being allowed to do so to, to, the, to, to the highest extent possible. So I feel like, for instance, when Fincher works.
0: Hmm, good example.
1: Right? I feel like um, he has a particular thing in mind. So he will ask his lighter to light a scene a certain way. So if the lighter just lights it however they want, obviously it's not going to work. They have to understand that it's a part of something. Yeah. But they will still light it the best way they can for that story or for that moment. Like, if, if he is unable to, to explain this to the, to the lighter, then the lighter can't really do, it, do his job properly, right? So Good looking way that way yeah. is, yeah, like you have to communicate well and you have to let people do their job. You just have to make it clear to them what you need from them, I think. Fincher's
0: a great example. Yeah,
1: Yeah, because he's so specific, right?
0: Stylized though. You know it's a Fincher film.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I don't think it's just because of the look, you know?
0: No, it's the tone, the feel.
1: Yeah, and he makes a series of decisions, for better or for worse, for each film to lead them to a certain point. And I think with people like him... Uh, the team knows that they can trust someone's vision, it makes a huge difference. It comes down to trust, as you said, who is the client, right? So, um, and and I think that trust really, really, really matters. Oh, like, a, that mutual respect matters a lot.
0: Yeah, but you can't trust somebody that doesn't provide, basically, you know, that's what I think, too. I think, I think
1: so, too.
0: I think a lot of the times, um, it's really odd when you have a director come in that hasn't, sat in that chair and done your job before i don't know i don't, I don't know if it, that person possibly they're worthy of it but maybe not i don't know um,
1: from it? the other end of that um because there are people who direct my work for commercials obviously Yep. who who have not exactly been painters or who have not designed for this sort of thing so they they kind of understand design but they haven't done the job i actually find it Not a big problem if they can't physically perform the task. I find it a problem when they feel like they have to say something, but they they are giving an uninformed opinion, which happens sometimes. Yeah. Because they're afraid to say, hey, um, what's the difference? Or
0: (laughs) That's what I mean. That's what I mean by that. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Or like, why is this decision made? Or not even asking that, but maybe going, this is what I needed to do get it to do that. Yeah. Because then I can problem solve from there. I just, like, I'm That's like,
0: trust though, right? Help
1: me help you. Like, just yeah. tell me what you would like. And, and yeah. So the, so the, like, this feels too blue or whatever. It's <laughs> like, comments I can't really extract much from because it's, well, yeah, but you know.
0: <laughs> sure. But what? then a person that's actually done that before can say, well, how about we take a gradient from like a fuchsia or something and pull it from the left or something, you know, and
1: Yeah.
0: You know, maybe that's articulation. So I
1: think it's articulation too, but it's also being able to show something to someone. Uh some people, I think. Yeah. That's true. The way you see, right? So I think that's
0: what makes Fincher so great. That's why I wanted to use him as an example is because he mm-hmm. comes from visual effects background. He knows how this stuff works. He's done or even Ridley Scott, for example, who made like 2700 commercials before Alien, you know. And he yeah. made a film before that. I think that those miles, the sad thing about that, but at the same time, I mean, this, we're trying to touch and articulate something that really can be articulated. We're just trying to touch it, I think, which is interesting
2: because
0: there's no rule book to this, right? You can, you can be anybody and do anything you want, but it seems to to me that people that yield the best results are, um, seem to have a either they've never done it before but they understand the articulations of maybe they don't know how to paint but they understand it in a way where they can translate it to computers basically for example you know.
1: I think that's true I think also it's somebody who knows what they want to achieve like the effect they want to achieve the point they're trying to make because there are a million ways to say something right there are a million ways to communicate (laughs) the same thing and some of it is effectivity and the other side of it is style. So you could I could say the same sentence in different styles and you would get it. On that note I think it's really more about knowing then knowing the tone, then knowing the message, then kind of how you render it doesn't matter, like kind of, you know like the, the division of what's what's rolling the, the weight of the drawing changes, the weight of what you're presenting changes. If, if you have this really strong concept, it's easier. Or if you have this really strong idea or story, like, um, because nothing else explains how things with terrible design can be so successful.
0: Right. <laughs> Yeah, it's really what the fuck.
1: This pet peeve because we're like, like you can't make it so shitty, and then people, like clients, come to you with like the worst reference, and like, yeah, but this works, and you kind of cry to yourself because it does work, but it's not a good piece of anything. You're like, how did this become successful? And I feel like it's that relatability thing, and it's that story thing, and it's that I don't know. It's
0: very situational based too.
1: So totally, like maybe something locked out, but. I mean, bad design with good story survives. Good design with bad story or, or bad directing often doesn't survive. And I don't think that's by coincidence, you know?
0: That's true. That's a great way of, that's a great analysis because I I agree 100%, you know? It's, it's challenging. I think uh, we as creative people respond emotionally yeah. uh, to different things, obviously. And not the other weird thing is to acknowledge that the rest of the world isn't necessarily like us at all.
1: <laughs> I think that's the thing we keep thinking. You know, if we made it good enough, we made yes. it look good enough. It's like, it's so obvious to everyone. But we've also all downloaded that one app that looked great, but did nothing and
2: was <laughs>
1: so annoying and so not functional. So the, the whole design over function thing doesn't work either. And it's actually a big pet peeve of mine. Do
0: you think that it's best when it meets right in the middle?
1: I think the design is good functionality done very efficiently
0: dropping some Dieter rams are you i'm sorry you know who Dieter rams is
1: uh i'm not sure sorry
0: he's a um a really famous uh designer i'll send you his work he had uh, this he had like this i think it's seven rules of design like a mantra okay really, really beautiful pretty prolific thoughts about design and his one of his things is like design is function like design is purpose like he, he was a very much um like John Ives, for example, is heavily influenced from Dieter Rams. The John Ives is the designer for Apple and stuff.
1: So. Yeah, yeah, he's also heavily inspired by stealing a lot of Brown designs. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go into that.
0: Sure, and and that's actually a good concept to talk about too. To segue, um, we're not going to not miss finances, but stealing the artist. Oh, and I, thought
1: I successfully avoided that subject. No, I think I think
0: I I, think, um, I, I really. Uh, think that it would be really if you're up for it we don't have to if you feel uncomfortable i don't we can pass maybe it but
1: share the responsibility maybe you can weigh oh, in yeah. on it
0: absolutely well.
1: okay I'm,
0: I'm a freelancer i support my family and i live in san diego i'm successful enough to sustain a living i've managed to make it happen so i'm i would love to share tips and tricks and the business of things because that's another reason why my personal um venture and andrew and i we both feel passionate about sharing these things because it's important you know
1: uh, i think so
0: it's I mean, just powerful you know to, to give
2: this stuff back so. and,
1: and purely on the wages thing too i try to talk to whenever i'm asked for advice i try to encourage people to not lower their rates i try to uh encourage them to never do free work and yeah I don't know, there's a With finances it's a tough thing because that's often how we compare ourselves to other people.
0: Yeah. Or value. Or
1: success or value ourselves, exactly. And I think it's really tricky. It's really, really, really tricky there. And for artists too, you know, how much we can charge and what we make and stuff and how good we are at art and how good we are as a person because of it. It's so married to one another.
0: Hmm. Or the art of selling.
1: The art of selling, it's a completely different thing. And a lot of art schools, including mine, I don't think focus so much on negotiating and they don't focus so much on... Yeah, like uh, I don't like talking about money with employers or anyone really. But the thing I dislike the most is feeling like I'm being ripped off. Yeah. And I'm sure that's a mutual feeling where if you charge somebody a lot of money and you're not doing great work, I always feel the weight of it on my shoulders. i awesome. like... Oh, I'm not like, yes, but I'm charging whatever I'm charging, little or not, right? Like, I have to live up to the uh, expectation of whatever this is.
0: It's because so. you're a conscious human being that has a threshold of responsibility. That's just, that's, everybody should feel that. If you don't, then you're just a shithead, <laughs> <That's> my personal <laughs> opinion. I but,
1: mean, I don't think anyone knowingly ignores it, right? Sure. I, I don't think most people I know are not like, "Hey, look at how much I charged them." Did nothing, <laughs> like they're not. Unless that happens by nature, and both parties know. A lot of people aren't so braggy about that kind of thing. Well,
0: that's the really interesting thing about art. You have the Andy Warhols of the world who managed to somehow trick a lot of people. I imagine so I'm not trying to disgrade, that, downgrade what he's done. I just feel it's really interesting for me as a. <laughs>
1: There's no better. Person at selling art, I feel, in the history of art. I mean, that's probably not true, but in terms of what he turned into high art, you couldn't argue that there wasn't a smarter dude about. Yes. Very yes. Smart. And, and apparently, and I don't, I haven't seen this firsthand, so I'm not sure, but supposedly when he died and they went into his estate, it was filled with classical art. Is this mm. true? Do you know?
0: I think I've heard that same thing, yeah.
1: That he basically took the money from the Campbell Soup paintings and put it into purchasing a smart guy, credible So yeah, very yeah.
0: really I mean, smart guy,
1: very smart. That's Probably a little it. cuckoo, but very smart.
0: Well, I think you'd have to be when you're living on that threshold. You're, you're, um, you're in a different, um, atmosphere.
1: I think. Yeah. I think you also utilize the time and a trend in the best way possible. Yeah. I think it would be harder to start that movement say now or oh yeah part of started to start it in the 20s or 40s you
0: know people movies. do it it's just different i think but it's yeah. just, i think yeah the the i need to study more on him but he's always been the anytime i feel bad about charging x amount i always go oh yeah <laughs> yeah there's you know i've seen different experiences you know or even a, a quick example um And my friend Anthony Jones has a really great live stream about all this, which I will try to share as well. It's just really amazing how he breaks things down. But he was saying, um, for example, back when, um, say Michelangelo or Da Vinci was creating, um, they would make enough to be able to supply for their living, um, off of a one piece maybe, you know, um, because it was so unique and so rare. And, um, you can't do that now because you know the system is different but we can't charge a mcdonald's rate you know like that's not right either so it's a matter of finding out how much money you owe what you want to be where you want to go financially all that kind of stuff and for me
1: and also figuring out where you fit in right
0: yes and but you personally like so there's um my friend jessica hish too she's really very brilliant person and she's Opened my eyes to a lot of things as well about like how to carry yourself as a business person as well as a creative and an artist as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and she talks. She, we had a great talk about like you know um, self value and uh, being able to diversify things. Basically, she's she had a really great point. She had told me. Sorry, I'm rambling on here, but this is a this is no. I, stuff. I appreciate it.
1: Go.
2: <laughs>
0: I'm building this book. And uh, she said, you know, Ash, like you can build this book. You should, you must do it because you're obviously passionate about it. And so you spend a year or two years or whatever building all this art and you make it, and you you sell it. It's just the best thing you've ever made. And you go out to the world and you say, here's my book. And the maximum you can probably get for that book is $40 max. She said, if you just take one of that one of those pages and make something really great and you make a poster, you can charge $50 for the poster <laughs> For just one poster, you know? <laughs> so in in different values to these things, right? But what she was, what she had opened up my eyes to, is the possibilities of different avenues based off of your effort and time, you mm-hmm. know. And for me, it was just an eye opening event because I was like, "That's true." Um, at the same time, it's important for me to follow whatever I feel I need to do, and but um, I just found that to be fascinating because what you do with the time that you have and how you use it um, that defines you really, you know, for, for me personally. So it
2: was just, I believe in that
1: too. I mean, that's why the whole dream something up and stick with it and it will work for you concept. I can't deny it's truth. (laughs) I can't deny it's effectiveness. I mean, you know, I came from a completely different place in the world Turkey, you said. Doesn't, I'm sorry.
0: You said Turkey. That's where you come yeah. from.
1: Yeah, I was born and raised there until end of uh, high school. I came here for college, particularly for this kind of thing.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and you know, like if and I, I like I was I was at the crux of being just ignorant enough about how things are done that I didn't question it too much, and I had the luck of my parents believing in me and so forth. Just like. And we came together, but yeah, also, also not saying oh, I can't do it. Like I just didn't say it. Good. I see the possibilities of like the, the odds of me being able to achieve this was really small, but it, it worked out. And I feel like <clears throat> if I had said the odds are bad, I'm not going to do it. It would not happen. It is how you spend your time. I think it is where you invest and where do you invest? I mean, this is where it kind of maybe crosses over a bit with the financial talk, but what are you investing your time into? What are you investing your energy into? I'm not super great at, at investing money. <laughs> I still am trying to figure out how that works. Hmm. But I I know how to invest my time and I know how to invest my efforts. Right? Like I know certain things will yield better than others.
0: Could you define that, babe, by, by like case studies or examples? Um
1: For instance, what I realized with working for a big company the pros and cons everybody compares them right and in some way i compare them in a in a more investment sort of base way if i'm putting all of this energy and time uh what am i getting back uh with a big company clearly you're getting their name uh sometimes that really works for you uh you're maybe getting certain job stability are you really getting that that's a whole different conversation obviously um But the whole, like, where do I want to be 50 years from now question, it's really hypothetical. It's not like the five-year game plan. Uh, And I didn't like the idea of looking back and feeling like my work has been credited to other people for 50 years. (laughs) That's a really long time to put into your career where, yeah, you do get to say you worked on so-and-so projects, but you can't really put anything out there that stands and speaks for you right yeah, it's really yeah. tough to do that and, and it's a little better now because I think people show their work from these productions and
0: like we, we must talk about sorry I don't want to interrupt but we have to talk about um, clients not allowing you to show work and how you deal with that oh
1: my god I can't <laughs> Mm-hmm. I can't even deal with
0: it. Oh, me neither. I I can't stand it. But we need to have this conversation because I know that you share the same thing. So oh, it's
1: so tough. I mean, I haven't been able to update much because so much of what I do is tied up in things, and it sucks. Gets sucks. worse when you get into longer-term projects because things get shelled forever, or things things are in production for forever. You know, it's really tough. It's important I mean, for
0: you to share, right?
1: Uh, to some extent, I think lately most of what i've been showing and this is because i post daily has been my side personal work i mean i haven't been showing a lot of professional work lately at all in the last few years um, and a lot of it is because i worked on developing shows with workplaces and people and you know like even when something does come out i don't know exactly what i can show when it's tied up to viacom or right so it's it's a bit complicated but um
0: how do you live off that? Because that's really challenging, right? It's like you do this job, and I, as a freelancer, I have to explain <laughs> it to, I have to explain it to clients and I find it to be very rude and just and, and, and very uh, I have to turn down lots of jobs, unfortunately, um, and it's kind of a detriment to me financially sometimes. and also a lot of these jobs are big projects, you know, but they're like, no, we just can't let you share the work after I'm like, well, then you have to pay me the damage of that." Yeah, so it's like it's like three yeah. times my rate because you're basically telling me that you're going to tie me up for three months and then I can't show the work. So that's three months of damage that I like. I'm going to be irrelevant by then. People aren't yeah. going to see me as the, all this work because it's damaging. You know,
1: I think I, it's different in different industries. Um, uh, you know, I I'm a big fan of complying to, oh, we can't show the work until it's released type of thing. That well, of
0: course. That's extremely that's, fair. That's of course. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and I mean, I think the whole definition of work for hire versus being a contractor, like, uh, and those two things can overlap is a bit different. Um, My editorial illustrator friends usually have a better contract. You can time negotiate that. And I also sometimes understand that the, you can't show anything comes from the client, but I think certain studios have this rule now too, more so than before. Like they don't want to maybe show their resources. I don't know exactly what it is, Um, but I believe I wouldn't be mistaken when I say everybody shows their work in private.
0: Yeah, of course. (laughs) <laughs> oh,
1: that's okay like so if something is super important or a su- a particular request is made for a job that where i need to show that i can do one thing i do gather those things and show them and either ask them if, if it's someone i trust I, I send them a file if not i try to find a more disposable way so they don't have the files yeah um and you know, now with all these companies companies extending into each other's territories, it's really hard to define what the direct competitor clause is. Yeah. With the bigger with the bigger companies, there's always like when I worked for Nickelodeon, there was the clause of you can't work for a direct competitor at the same time.
2: <laughs> yeah, okay.
0: I've had those before too.
1: Okay, like what does that really mean in this case? Uh, and then they never really defined it, so I didn't really have to sign. <laughs> I don't know, sometimes...
0: Sometimes they'll weird. be, like, for a certain amount of time, too. Therefore, after, um, they're like, you can't work for this company, or you can't work for any competitors for X amount of years past. I've really? had that happen, too, and I'm like, well, the great thing is my wife is much smarter than I am, especially in regards to this stuff, so she helps me with the business side of things. And so That's cool. so great. It's really great. Um, she, we're
2: Can't you she help? <laughs>
0: yeah, she she actually wrote up so everybody could think. My wife, there's on my website. There's um, I have two forms that I give out for free, um, in the information section. Let me, I forgot the name of them already because <laughs> I haven't used them for a long time. They're uh, but my wife actually drafted those up. She, it's called the um, uh, sample contract agreement and sample proposal template. So it's basically. Um, I think I've
1: seen these before, actually. I didn't know it was your wife who wrote them. That's, that's awesome. Cool. That's pretty cool.
0: My wife's awesome, and she really is a huge um, component of how effective I am in this world. Basically, I, I mean, think
1: that's really great too. Teamwork.
0: Teamwork, man. It's all. It's, this, it's all that's about.
1: That's all takes. Comes think, back to teamwork. I like that there are these themes to this conversation that it's coming about really naturally. Yes, teamwork has been
0: one of them. Teamwork has <laughs> been and. And and uh, passion is obviously one of them. And, um, <laughs> and um, I like it. Yeah, it's. Super. I think that there's um there's something really unique there that happens with these exchanges, and I've noticed a, a significant trend recently where where clients are just kind of downright denying the the opportunity for you to share the work, and it's just for me the trend has to stop because it's really um, counterproductive. I for, so for a, g- a quick example. I'm not a big Iron Man fan. I didn't care to see the movie. The only reason I did see the movie is because I saw what Prologue had done for them. The holograms and all that stuff, I just felt it was fantastic. It's really beautiful work. So I went and saw that movie based off of that. Yeah. So uh-huh. had they not have shared it, they wouldn't have got my money. I wouldn't have gone and seen the film. That's just a small example. It's not very significant, but yeah. what I'm saying is that it by sharing this work, by people sharing like, Hey, look what I did. And like, Oh, I didn't, I wasn't gonna go see that, but since you worked on it, I'll go check that out. You know, like, I don't I know. Think
1: that too. And I think, uh, regarding film and stuff, they get it a little bit more because I think marketing is heavier. Yeah. So, like Disney artists, Disney visual development artists <laughs> posting their work clearly gets a lot of people excited about the film and then they go see it. So I feel like, you know, Disney isn't just kind of unknowingly letting them do this. They're, they're very much about their copyright. So I'm pretty sure that's like, yes, you can share this at this time. You can share this at that time. I, I assume there is a level of like, that's okay. That's not okay. You know, you can put this at this time. I, I'm assuming that's also welcome. Uh, with commercials, I can't quite say where that stands. And, um, you know, for me, it hasn't ever become that big of an issue because I find that I have very particular uh, ideas that I apply to work. And when I work for a client um, and when I take direction from a creative director, I know that I'm there to execute their vision. So a lot of times the stuff that I do in commercials don't represent my point of view towards the product or the subject, you know? Sure, so sure. I actually don't want them. people to think that, you know, this attractive woman selling this drink or whatever is fine by me.
3: <laughs> sure.
1: I don't really care for that kind of advertisement. What? So that's, I, Hey,
0: <laughs> that doesn't work for you.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm somebody with a lot of opinions and I can totally accept that. So I'm sure
0: you want some sexy dude handing some drinks off. <laughs>
1: you know, at least there is some humor in that because of course
0: i think that'd be cooler too
1: <laughs> we're kind of mocking that situation but um you know that is not to say men aren't objectified
0: sure sure and that's yeah
1: not to understand <laughs> at times perhaps. So sure, that's the thing um so usually i don't mind not showing a lot of the client work sometimes i do want to show the work and Uh, With some places, they are pretty lenient. Some places aren't. I find that sometimes reaching out to someone who is uh, maybe in charge of the place helps a little bit. If you have a good relationship with them and you nicely ask, they often at least check with the client and try to get you a permission.
0: That's a good way of going about it, like a human being.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, the person who is uh, doing Uh, PR like they're kind of told that we can't share the work so if you ask them yes they're not going to overrule the owner of the company but if you say hello owner of the company remember me it was really nice working with you and I would really love to share this because xyz you know
0: yeah Um, going about it I
1: think you could check for me it would really mean a lot blah 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 and I think They usually respond well to that. If it's super tied up and it's going to get them in trouble, you probably don't want to post it without telling them anyway, because then that also severes your relationship with them. This is assuming you like your
0: clients. The thing, the other reason why I bring this up in particular um, is not just for us who are established and have relations and are obviously, but it's for the students that are coming up. And imagine being a student, you have all this debt, Finally landed a job, and they say you can't show the work. There's no proof of you even existing in this environment. That's 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 detrimental, and so for people at our stage, this higher level involvement, we have to somewhat start taking a stand against it in some form. Not not. I
1: agree, but at the same time, there's this weird duality of we only yeah we only can do this because we can get work otherwise. It's true, and uh, there's the 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 industry always leans towards the new and cheap. Yeah. It's really strange. Like, uh, I can't tell you how many times I know they didn't want to spend the money, like maybe a hundred dollars more or $200 more. Right. Sure. And they tried to go at it with somebody who is very inexperienced, which is really unfair to them too. And they didn't have the experience and they didn't have the, the other options To say this is not a good idea this is this can't be done or whatever and you have to come in last minute to fix something right yeah that you're like well this is crazy or i don't know this
0: is bad practice so it's bad
1: practice and i think as long as there's a lower bidder there's always going to be this little bit of tension i do think people talking more openly about rates and people talking more about like Maybe not their particular personal rate. I feel like that's really personal to share. But talking about the brackets that people can fall into or whatever. And then that's where you should be like, oh, if this is what the lowest rate going for this is, and if I'm like really slow and I'm incompetent, maybe I should be closer to that rate.
0: Yeah, or- let's talk about that then. This is a good way to segue into it. We don't have to talk about our personal ones if you don't want to. That's totally fine. Yeah. So, yeah. so I've, I've heard... Okay, so I know... <laughs> So I know, yeah, well, I won't obviously not name names, but okay. So let's do a spectrum. Okay. So very high level people that I know who are very competent, who can produce the work of say 10 people or or more, they make at least a thousand a day. Mm -hmm. It's completely worth it to the client because that person is a unique person. They have style. They've been around for X amount of years or they know a certain amount of people and they can just crush it.
1: And I think more importantly, when there's a change or when there's something that's panic mode, they can handle it really well.
2: Yes. I professionals. Like that the professionals.
1: makes a difference because when you're first starting your career, I think it's easy to feel like, yeah, it takes me longer, but I'll do it and it will still be cheaper. <laughs> Why I should not, you know? And then it's no, because the client and the producer might be unreasonable And obviously there'll be a change that's due in two hours and that person can make it seem like you worked on it for a week. So that's why that person gets paid that much.
0: Yes. The time, the time time duration, but the highest amount that I've heard is, I think it was like 12 to 1500 a day. Um, in this industry, which is like the commercial and film industry. Um, in the tech industry, it's completely different. I've heard up to like three grand. And then also in video games, I've heard of, uh, one artist who would make um, like ten grand on one painting. Like digital but it painting it's to be
1: a very particular person uh, and a particular. It's, it's kind a, of yeah,
0: it's like a point one percent. You know, like it's yeah. the highest of the high.
1: And I honestly think that used to be more of a thing. Yes, it when is. there were a few digital artists and they were inventing this stuff. Yes. And then their stuff got copied so much <laughs> yeah. that now I know that some of those people can't charge those rates anymore.
0: Craig Mullins is who I'm talking about I know <laughs> everybody is aware of this and I and I admire that person and I think it's wonderful and I think that he's worth it um, yes. from my perspective the person that didn't have to pay for it
1: <laughs> well but, that's true but also from the point of the perspective of the person who had to pay for it I'm sure at the time yes. their $10,000 into one painting was probably getting them crazy investment and it was getting them crazy like yes. nobody had seen anything like what Craig Mullins can do, yeah. right? I mean, there were some really great map painters in the history of film. There are people who made Spartacus backgrounds, you know, like just really incredible stuff. Indiana
0: Jones, all that great.
1: Jones, stuff. Yeah, there was
0: Star really Wars. Cool.
1: But in terms of him being able to just like whip this stuff out. Oh yeah. And, uh, like he was doing digital paintings, like classical paintings. were also like map paintings and yes. we also concept <laughs> and like, Other people weren't operating on this level, or weren't even close to it. So, took the world
0: about five years.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and not to mention that like this money wasn't getting divided between a million people towards a million things. Yes. Right. Like this one piece of artwork was really valuable to the production. And when you talk about making movies, right? Like millions of dollars go into it. Even if this dude gets ten paintings to do, a
2: he can do it. He's really good at
1: it he will deliver it and it will sell to the client. But also what does that yield back to the person who's commissioning him? If it's, if it's yielding back a hundred million dollars, yeah, it's probably worth the money he's charging. Yep. Now you can do it for cheaper because there's people who can paint like him who study the style, which I think is a shame. Do
0: you think, of- yeah, we should definitely talk about the art of stealing as well and your thoughts on that, but to get back onto the rate thing. So this is just my observation. And then I think, um, if you're average and you're coming into the industry as a as a junior, I've seen that as low as like three seventy five, three hundred. That's the lowest maximum you should do. I've seen as like a. I think
2: say that a,
1: depends too on the industry again. Like I know, for instance, wages in TV animation are much lower than advertisement. Yeah. You know, there's really. I mean, with some of them, I have limited experience too, so I couldn't really speak. But um, also, what is your length of booking?
2: <laughs> yes, that's another factor. Two
1: days or are you being booked for four years? And if you're getting booked, if you're getting a four-year contract, which I don't know if anybody does out of school, <laughs> you get like a one-year contract that you renew. Yeah. It is expected that, yeah, you will take a lower rate. You will get benefits, but it's also they're committing to you. So the Safety. Like, you know, safety. So, in quotation marks, I'm making quote end quote here. But,
0: Air quotes, yeah.
1: Air quotes, there we go. Oh, my fobbiness kicks in at the worst time. <laughs> no,
0: it's it's good. I think that um, we're making good headway with this. Anybody that's listening, if you're a student that's coming out of this, I hope this information is somewhat giving you a perspective.
1: And there's awesome. internship rates, right? And yes. then there's free internships.
0: <laughs>
1: I don't know well, how you feel about those.
0: Um, You know, I think that if you're a student and... So I didn't have the choice to do that. as a So I'll just give you a quick example. The, and this would be from my experience why I would have a, my own stand on this is that I, I moved out at a very young age, and so I was working. And so my education actually came from Prolog. I got my master's degree at Prolog. That's what I think of it as. And I always wanted to go to Art Center, but I just couldn't afford it. And I actually, when I went to work at Prolog, I was a junior designer, which is like the basis level there but mm-hmm. I was working amongst all art center graduates. So I thought it was really ironic, you know? So yeah, but they wanted
1: to be there and you wanted to be over at art center.
0: Exactly. Person. How funny that is about how the passion ends up taking us to the right same place, basically. Yeah. And, um, uh, I forgot what I was going to say, but as far as like internships, I think that if you're in school and you have three months off to go exchange energy at a, at a studio um, and they're not willing to pay you, I think that at that stage in your life, it's okay to do that personally, because school's not paying you. You're paying school. And yeah. I think that you'll get more experience from working at a place than you yeah, ever will anywhere.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, safe. if you can afford it too, because yes. not everybody can afford to not get paid and go somewhere to work every day yeah. too, right?
0: Yeah. I, uh, I think it's situational, right? But I think in exactly. that situation, and I've seen it even um, in Ed Catmull's Creativity Incorporated, he brings that up how he wanted to have interns, but I think they were actually paid interns.
1: Yeah. Pixar. I think, I think, I think um, most Pixar internships were paid. I think. Yeah. yeah. Even from the Beginning. But that's also where that idea comes in of who are you working for and can they afford it? Right. Yeah. Like, um, yes, Pixar can afford having interns get paid minimum wage if they want to, like, that's Okay sure oh, they didn't start their internship program until they have already made a bunch of films i think so
0: a smart move too on,
1: i mean i'm sure they had pas and stuff but uh i don't know if like they had They, i, I know that they didn't have art internships until a little bit later i think yeah uh and, and they were always paid which is cool on their part but um you know i think if you're For for students, if we're talking for students here, I think if you're going into a little boutique shop and they can't really afford to pay you very much, like that's quite understandable as they're probably trying to make their ends meet. Sure. (laughs) It's it's weirder to go into a huge corporation if you're not getting paid that. To me, that's weirder. I feel like if a company is making millions of dollars, you should get minimum wage probably.
0: Yeah, or I don't think they should let you in there without health insurance. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean with like,
1: internships, I don't know if they're always long enough for the companies to get involved on that level yeah. if it's Starbucks and stuff yeah of course but um, design studios I don't know if they give I've, I've never heard of health health insurance really being offered to
0: how do you deal with the insurance because I have to do it myself it's, like it's, it's a bitch it's like 300 bucks a month it doesn't do anything
1: it it's doesn't terrible. do anything it's so mean,
0: stupid my wife That's makes so me do it. I would never do it if she didn't care for it.
1: Well, I think it's because you have kids too. I think she's probably making a really good choice. And I, I
0: train jiu-jitsu, so I do know martial like, arts. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and I, I would like stay
1: really <laughs> lazy about the stuff. I'm not the person to take into um, any kind of high regardless. But you have insurance? Uh, I do at times.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> i back.
0: back. Get call my uh, insurance. <laughs>
1: Well, uh, it kind of turned into this thing of, like, you always want to be covered for the really bad stuff that would, you know, bankrupt your family, right? Like, that's really the thing, I think. Um, Unless you're willing to pay a a really large sum, you're not going to get all your doctor's visits covered. So, yeah, you will get preventative care with Obamacare. I think that's the point. So your regular doctor's visit without you having to really complain about much or without an emergency is covered. Regular tests are covered. If I'm wrong, please correct me.
0: I think it's not, but I don't know. Uh, Your
1: checkup is covered, your yearly checkup is covered. Like, I think you get the basics right. But if you want anything more than that covered, you have to pay extra every month for something you may not use. And um, we had this family insurance that kind of works for disasters internationally. This is where I really lucked out. My parents took care of this when we were younger, obviously. Where like if if uh, of course you want to be prepared for like really bad hospital stays and stuff and for me those are covered I can get them covered even if I'm in an accident here so to me the whole purpose of paying like three hundred dollars a month feels even less useful <laughs> right because because the part that really annoys me is the part that annoys you where I'm like, Oh, like I'm paying $300 a month and still like, if I have a little bit of pain and I need a prescription or if I need a blood test done and I need to go to a doctor for that, I have to still pay the doctor for well, something. Yeah. Oh, well,
2: it's, it's really a
0: bitch.
1: Yeah. This is crazy. And, uh, Crime. It's crazy. You know, I heard recently cause, uh, and I've been here for long enough that things changed back home but um, I feel like recently some of the healthcare in Turkey is actually better than some of the healthcare here, which I'd believe that. Can't quite compare everything, but I heard um, someone we kind of know, uh, an older person, had a heart attack and they had to call the uh, ambulance. Um, you know, it was obviously an emergency. They were taken to the hospital and taken care of, but it was this urgency situation, and then they left with like only paying a few hundred bucks or something. Like, wow. Yeah, and they had to stay at the hospital. Obviously, it was like a very emergency. He, I don't know what was done to him, but I was just like, wow, like that would never happen here. No. <laughs> I'm like, I came here because it's supposed to be so much better, yo. <laughs> like, um, <laughs>
0: Who knows? I guess it's all in the you know the perspective. I think in America, from my understanding, of, I've just lived in, I'm born and raised here, obviously, but
1: uh-huh.
0: it's it really is a land of opportunity. You could do with yeah. it wherever the hell you want to here.
1: Yeah. I mean, this should also, go, no, I should also know before I conclude that thought that a lot of things are, for my personal belief, better here. <laughs> like,
0: What are some I, of the things that you find to be um, unique to America that you've enjoyed?
1: Oh, I think there's a lot of things. It super depends on where you are, too. I've only lived in California, so that's, I'm only in LA, actually, so that's very limited. I am sure whatever I would list would be very lacking, but I do find that people are very open to other people. Not everyone, obviously, but
0: yeah, you're talking uh, about Southern California, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there is definitely a very unique kind of laid backness to Southern California.
0: Yeah, the, the rest of the country isn't really as close to as uh, Southern yeah. California. <laughs>
1: and I'm not sure to what level I would be challenged with that if I went to like certain parts of the state that are maybe more conservative, obviously.
2: Sure. Cause I
1: do look like I could be many things. I don't look like very identifiable by any race. So, uh, people who might have racism in their mind a little bit might be challenged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um,
0: that's the understatement. That should be the quote yeah. of this podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or like, um, or like me not being religious. I know is sometimes, confusing to some people who are more religious
0: is that a personal choice for you or 100 I mean, yeah. percent.
1: I, I was raised without religion and i'm <laughs> i feel like i'm like this lucky little percentage
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah same same for me as well I think yeah. why. i'd
1: also be very unpopular with friends of mine who have like very strong faith which i do not condone in any way but i just know that personally this is what's right for me and just want to be like completely left alone with that
0: <laughs> yeah i think it's a very unique personal standpoint on a lot of things you know i don't know i find it to be interesting And i have very, a lot of friends who are very faithful to their god and i and i find it to be great because it gives them strength to be a better person and i admire that and i love that yeah but yeah i just i don't personally find solace and um i just don't find it in, in yeah. those things so
1: I think everybody has different reasons to be religious too. Like I don't want to generalize them into any kind of which way. Right. Yeah,
0: you can't generalize a person. I think that's a big mistake.
1: <laughs> I think
0: so too. We're too dynamic to be uh, yeah. identified and categorized, you know,
1: but there are certain things that I love about American history, which sounds funny because a lot of people assume America doesn't have history.
0: Oh, I have huge history.
1: That's, I mean, I, I personally think so. Yeah. Um, but, we have
0: badass history, crazy-ass history. <laughs> we
1: are, I mean, we're very
0: young, but we have a crazy-ass history.
1: It's just in a completely different sense, right, yeah. than, than the rest of world history. It's, it's, I think, in terms of social movements, very few countries could even talk back.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, um, I don't know what it is to be every minority in the States, but I know that, you know, even being a foreigner, I do have unique challenges, which would be true for any country, but I feel that I can do anything.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. What a beautiful thing that is, right? The freedom. It's
1: so great. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, even having freedom of speech the way that America sees it, despite it causing a lot of controversy, obviously, because I have to be okay with the dude being very sexist and the dude really messed up towards anyone really. Um, but the fact that, you know, I, I love my country too. I really, really do love Turkey, but the fact that we are maybe number one now in, in imprisoned journalists, like it's unbelievable to me. Some of the things that are, happening there right now or have happened in the past
0: seems like some weird underdeveloped people in power when that shit happens it's like what really like that would
1: be an understatement uh, too yeah. but hey you know
0: whatever it's, i'm i'm american i speak my fucking mind so
1: <laughs> yeah i there is something really invigorating about that as well as like, ah, it's like the rest of the world is kind of like America. And also like, ah, America. like <laughs> of course, because of this, because it's like freedom prize, <laughs> like it, shut up America. It's that, true.
0: It's a double edged sword. Absolutely.
1: double edged sword. So it's like this unique thing. It's like having a crush on someone and then like having a relationship with them. It's the things that you found. So, uh, Charming that are also like kind of their demise, but it's also so charming. You know?
0: <laughs> that's a very good way of looking at it because that's pretty true. You know, that's actually living that experience to the fullest, and that goes back to the idea of like you can't judge or itemize or categorize people as much as your brain yeah. wants to.
1: Exactly, I
0: think it's a natural um at a tendency for humans to constantly wanting to categorize or itemize things because I think the world is so complex that are we're constantly. Yeah. That's the example of we bring up religion, but for me, it's like, I don't really believe in a hell or a heaven, personally, I, and that might be weird for people, but to me, I'm like, this is heaven, this is what you make it, yeah. Yeah. and that's my own perception. Also
1: valid, right? If We don't know what to make of it.
0: Yeah, it's too complex for me to understand, or even talking about fathoming understandings of intellectual life outside of our yeah.
1: threshold. And I, that's so- how I feel, too, like this whole need we have to categorize things, I totally know what you mean. And <clears throat> like, decimals! Like, decimals only exist because of this. <laughs> like, yes. We yes. try to put everything into perfect numbers, and it doesn't work because it's not how things are. And
0: Math shows so us. Yeah. yeah,
1: we just need to accept. But it's also our way of measuring, and we we did stubbornly find a way to measure everything, and that's kind of awesome, too.
0: But not pi. Can't measure that. Not pi!
1: <laughs> well, true. But I... Like, I used to have this, like, why do we do this kind of attitude towards it? And now I kind of think it's because we always kind of feel alone. Like, I think we try to relate to things. Yes. And when we can't explain it, it frustrates us because it makes us feel like we're alone.
0: Or inadequate. Like yeah, we,
1: uh, we, yeah we, can't, we can't have this connection with them. I'm like, rereading
0: this book called, sorry, go ahead. I'll tell you. I
1: that was pretty much the end of the talk.
0: Sorry. I don't mean to jump over you. I'm just this, this, um, these conversations excite my brain so much and I just blood, and It's really, my brain is being inappropriate, now. <laughs> but there's this book that I've, I frequently read called manage your day to day. Um, it's really a great book and there's this interesting bit in there that's kind of, it talks about, um, cause I've been fighting myself with social media for example right now and this person, um, psychologically analyzed why psych, um, they think social media is so prevalent and strong in our, our um, community and our so- psychology these days, but it's because it gives people uh, um, a sense of being and a sense of acknowledgement. That's why. And so recently, I actually asked everybody on Facebook. I said, "Hey, how?" And Twitter. I said, "How on a re- on a scale from one to ten, how relevant do you find this Facebook or this Twitter to be?" And it was interesting to ask that because it's almost like asking like uh, alcoholics, like, huh, do you like beer? You know, like, cause, <laughs> cause, but I was just curious to see. And, and, and I said, if it's it's above five, please explain why. You know, and some people had some really great re- references, understandings, like that made sense. And sometimes I felt like um, a lot of it is just people wanting to feel acknowledged, wanting to feel accepted. Um, I do it. I do it myself. I, mean, I shouldn't say people. We all want to, I would imagine, you know.
1: I mean, I think the, the one word you said that really, uh, also rings true to me is acknowledgement. I haven't, until I went through some personal challenges, I didn't really understand what that meant to me. And, um, you know i realized before and i try not to do this as much anymore <laughs> i don't know to what level i've been successful but i feel like i always had this need to validate my own experience with somebody else's acknowledgement of it so you know saying isn't this great isn't this terrible or you know a lot of in a lot of ways it's it is trying to connect it is trying to relate and have Somebody else relate to you. And I think that's why we tweet so much and that's why we post so much. Like in the end, I try to not see it as this kind of annoying thing that we all do without purpose. Like I try to think of it as this isn't the best way. Okay, this isn't the best way to communicate, but this is a person maybe driving alone and they're feeling really lonely and they, this is their attempt to connect. Yeah, absolutely. This is, their, this is their like attempt to acknowledge, have somebody acknowledge their existence, have someone acknowledge their um, maybe relatability, like maybe their experience or their their value, right? Doesn't like,
0: that say something about us psychologically at the state of our existence? Isn't that but odd?
1: Hasn't that always been the case? I mean,
0: yeah, I imagine.
1: Isn't that why there were? um what are they called? Uh, when young girls are introduced to society. Uh,
0: oh, I don't know what that is.
1: <laughs> Cotillions.
0: <laughs> What's like that? This.
1: Uh, so like girls who are uh, young ladies would be introduced to society in these like um, little balls, basically. What?
2: Yeah.
1: This was a, I mean, this was a thing I think white rich people did and maybe still do like up until recently but it was also a thing done in Europe obviously with like fam- I'm, I'm talking about families who wanted to be recognized I'm not talking about you know uh, farmers but it's like this like look my child like acknowledge oh that's interesting <laughs> it's like a, this is an important person in the society or whatever like I don't know I think uh, there are so many ways like we, we begged for acknowledgement Right. Like fame has always been that, I think, to some extent.
0: Yes. And that's why I think we acknowledge famous actors or not we, I shouldn't say generally, but I think um, just, most,
1: people just, most
0: people. And I think, you know, even me, for example, um, let's just say I'm watching a match of jujitsu and these are two unknown people. But I'm connected to one of these people because I'm enjoying what they're doing. So that's a very low level of of, of acknowledging somebody's uh, brilliance, I guess, unfolding before me. And then I become a fan of that on a very subtle level. You know, not like I'm screaming George Lucas or George Clooney's name in yeah. the movie theater or something. I know that's a different uh, level. <laughs> I,
2: I th-
1: think there's a difference when it's so skill-based, too, though. Like there's people who make a point of branding themselves as their life and then selling that. And then there's people like, I mean, you George Clooney. Um, I'm not the biggest fan, but if you say
0: Stefan Sagmeister was kind of like that.
1: No, because I feel like that's his philosophy towards his work that he was packaging. That's true. Like it's still his skill in seeing art and, and creating art and what art is like, it is a bit more philosophical. I think it is a little bit more about his life, but he never put himself on as like, this is what I ate for breakfast. Like mm-hmm. this is my, what my lifestyle is. This is the brand of shoes. I it's the opposite of the Gwyneth Paltrow type of like, I'm famous. So look at me type of thing.
0: Sure. Or like probably 99% of the people that are using these things like Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. It seems
1: There's a large amount of people like that. Some people use it in a way to like keep in touch with their friends and stuff. Which I'm is, not going to assume it's all like popularity right. contest, but there are accounts that only exist to attract other people to look at their lives. And, um,
0: what do you think it should be used for?
1: That's I think the sky is the limit. So this is definitely under the limit because the sky is the limit. <laughs> but to me, it's just personally not as interesting as somebody who's doing something interesting with it and they don't need to be famous to be interesting, but you can literally do so many things. Like when Twitter first came out, I think it was used in businesses too. There was this bakery, I think in New York, who would tweet when they had a fresh batch of something and people would actually follow and they would go and pick up stuff. I think that's really cute.
2: That's cool.
1: That's totally fine and they, they are a bakery. That's what they do, they sell this. They're not pretending to not sell something. It's very straightforward.
2: And that's you can get
1: your fresh bread or whatever. I think that's creative. That's smart. You know, yeah, everybody know. Wants, know. don't follow them if you don't want bread. Perfect.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't think that would bother anyone that their existence is there. Whatever. Um, the whole internet fandom and and fame thing is a whole different beast. <laughs> yeah. I honestly, <laughs> I honestly like understand why everybody has a different opinion about it. I just have a hard time finding myself staying interested in a lot of the things that um, are deemed internet famous or popular.
0: Sure. It's very transparent or like not transparent, but I feel like it's very um, brittle in a sense.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's, it's the part of me that wants to relate that gets bothered by some of it yes like it's not why is this person doing this and getting attention it's more like what is this doing to their personal (laughs) self-esteem like yeah what is good and to me that's harder to watch and it's not coming from a place of judgment I mean it may sound like it but it really is more like I want better things for you (laughs) (laughs)
0: like
1: care. I don't know but I don't know
0: Do you do a lot of introspective self-reflection and stuff like that? Are you into meditation or anything like that?
1: Um, I like it. I don't do it often enough. Hmm. I do question and judge myself often.
0: (laughs) How often do you think? Because I do it quite a bit as well.
1: (laughs) Too often. like Every day? Hourly? I honestly can't control it, so I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, same thing. What do you think that is?
1: I would not know the answer to that question at all. I mean, I think part of it is trying to do right by yourself and your values and towards other people. That's always trying changing. To not, of course, but yeah. that's the best guide you have is the feeling of, is this kind of messed up? Like, like I find it, maybe I'm too American in the sense, but I do find this is, this is, aha, this is one of those great things about America that I like, <laughs> is that I think Americans have a hard time. Uh I'm not talking about every American. let's underline that, but I think a lot of the American culture American people often have a hard time having fun at the expense of somebody else's feelings. And I'm talking about the developed adult people, I'm not talking about kids getting bullied sadly, it's the very opposite in, in terms of that. but maybe it's the part of conservatism that I think uh, the, maybe the puritan the Puritanism you know. Hmm. It's kind of like the general American, I think, doesn't like harming the other person. Yeah,
2: I
3: they
1: think like deep think down. Of
0: yeah. That. yeah, I think deep down, I mean, there's a lot of weird things that are going on constantly. I think <laughs> yes. um, we're, what's cool about, I think, uh, our age, I think we're becoming much more self-aware. Um, <clears throat> I feel like for me personally, um, I didn't really become very conscious of the world around me, like as sensitive as I am now until my age now, but it was till like 25 or 28 or so. I started to realize how how complex the world is around me. And I think by acknowledging these things, it's kind of also made me very sensitive to my own actions and interactions with other people, you know, and yeah. And, and the development that creates, you know, and especially like, for example, this podcast and yeah. um, the effect that it has on many people, I, I'm constantly fighting myself with, is this the right thing to ask? Or is this the right, wrong thing to ask? Or how far far should I push this? It's constantly um, battling, if that makes sense. I'm running on a tangent, but... um,
1: No, I mean, I I understand, I think, where you're coming from. It makes sense to me personally. Um, The thing that I've come to sort of accept when I remember it. (laughs) is that, you know, the, the concept of right and wrong are just as made up as the decimals. It's it's just you know, us trying to make things categorized and relatable, I think. Cause we can put stuff out there with the bestest of intentions and we can overthink it. And even that could lead into somebody taking something into some place we never imagined and in a negative way too. Like we can't really control that ripple after we set it off. So I think it's hard to really overthink it. Like you said, a lot of your... It's different than being critical, being self-aware. And it does come with applying some of the things you've been applying to other people onto yourself. Yeah. And uh, I think I've always been very judgmental of myself, but it's only becoming more constructive now (laughs) as I get a little older.
0: That's good to hear, though. (laughs) Because now you can actually utilize it rather than it being a the
1: idea, but of course until i get older and i know better i won't know if i've done enough of it or
0: not sure yeah, it's <laughs> it's, it's, sort a, it's fucking nuts being a human being i swear it's the cr- craziest it's
1: shit but also we're so perfect in other ways i mean i hate to i think this is gonna sound a little maybe crazy
0: oh, of you yeah <laughs>
1: Of course. But also like our brains are made in this particular way. So when we start feeling something constantly, our brain numbs it out enough. So we lose that sensation so we can focus on the next thing. Like there's so many things about our cognitive system. That's like, how does this all come together ever? It doesn't. How, you know,
0: it's
1: so amazing. Like, um, I'm really into the brain aspect of seeing things. And light and color and all the other stuff. Like, I took this class in college and it was just great experience.
0: <laughs> what was the class called?
1: Uh, brain and its Functions.
0: <laughs> and what did you go to school, to? I forgot I oh, to ask. I
1: went to Otis College of Art and Design. Oh,
0: great. I heard great things about that school.
1: Uh, like every school, it has really great and not so great qualities. Yeah. I. Uh, I took some classes at Art Center too, and and I could honestly, I would say the same thing about that school as well.
2: Yeah.
1: And from what I gather, similar thing goes for CalArts. Like, I think that's just there's never going to be one art school that's like perfect in every way that other art schools can't touch. Like, I. I,
0: I my, my judgment from your personality too sounds like you're striving for the best too, and you're wanting to have the best experience, or you're kind yeah. of. Yeah, as, as critical as you are on yourself. You're also critical on the world around you as well. Imagine.
1: Sadly, yes. I, I'm sure my life would be so much easier otherwise. But
0: I wish I could be the same way. It's very complicated.
1: <laughs> I, I don't know, man. It's a it's a burden. <laughs> don't I want just, this. We're, we're, we're not
0: alone, though. I know a lot of people, especially a lot of people who are listening, have very similar qualms with their yeah. daily existence. You know.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, I think the word experience is important there. Uh, I think making yourself have a good experience is you're reliant on a lot of things. Having yeah. experiences, like again, a lot about you too. Um, so that's why I think being too critical can be a little bit of a double edged sword as well.
2: It can Where,
0: stop. It can prevent you from doing something. That's for sure. It, it
1: could really prevent you from enjoying something, even though it's not perfect. I think that's that's hard to learn. But um, I don't know how. your
0: class. You were talking about your class. I'm sorry, oh, but.
1: No,
0: it's yeah. okay. It's okay. Um, the brain.
1: The colors. brain. Uh, so th- my teacher was Rob Sprujit. I hope I didn't completely butcher his name. That's <laughs> kind of what it looks like. He's Dutch. So his name is impossible to read. <laughs> I know he also teaches at Art Center, actually. And he teaches. He has a painting degree. He's a fine art painter. does the lives, but also studied um, the brain. Like He also has a, has a degree in science, which is really amazing. So he's cool. Yeah, he used to teach this class, and he's really into it, so he would find out the most up-to-date information. That's awesome. And uh, just amazing how how we perceive things. Obviously, none of it exists. Colors don't exist. Light doesn't really exist. It's just like, it's just waves. It's all waves. So fucked. It's great. So we will never know if you are red as my red, obviously. But there's. Isn't
0: that bizarre?
1: I love it. I, I, I like that. It's like, you have to accept.
0: You have to accept.
1: Nothing is objective. Yes. <laughs> okay. yeah. Is it objective? or I always confuse the two.
0: I think it's um, subjective. Subjective. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Subject, yeah. Right? yeah. And then yeah. Like nothing is subjective. I'm a complete believer in that. Like even with your best intentions, nothing can actually be subjective. Yes, to some extent yeah. it's always objective. So like this like achieving for clarity and perfection or whatever. Nope. You still have your point of view. Sorry. Sorry to break this to you. But it's always going to be that way. Yes. I don't know. What? No, we're not. Because I think accepting that says, oh, there's other things that I can't see. And you're actually interested in hearing them. If you think you can see everything, that's when you're fucked.
0: <laughs> no, no, yeah. What I meant is like, it's it's fucked. It, the system, it, the, the idea of it is just, it blows oh, my yeah. mind. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, of course. The acknowledgement I that, that I nothing is
0: real or... Every yeah. Like, you have to trust that when when we look at the same thing, that's why we're talking about, um to go back to the earlier part of our conversation, talking about explaining something to somebody that has no empathy, for example, um yeah. is, is very challenging. Yes. Don't you know? Like, you just, but you can't throw your head against the wall. You just have to put your best foot forward and, and push on and hope that they see your color red, you know?
1: Yeah. And I mean you may never know exactly what they see. Yeah,
0: and you may everything. never know
1: what their experience is, and you kind of have to accept that, right?
0: Well, absolutely, like, you'll never know.
1: Come you'll on. never know. So <laughs> might as well like accept that it's also about perception, accept that there's a lot of the viewer in any kind of artwork. It's, it's interesting. I mean, I think that's what makes art even timeless pieces are stuck in their own time and the perception of them change. You don't understand art history. I, I particularly didn't like it until I understood, oh, like the context of that time, this is what this meant. That's so cool. You know?
0: Context uh, is key when you talk about history. If you okay. don't have context, you can't explain it. You know,
1: Of course. But, you know, people look at artwork uh, and there's, of course, the idea that it's just this visual thing. You know, obviously so much of it is thought and so much of it is criticism and point of view, but, uh, you know, because we're, we have our, our way of seeing things. We accept that that's just how it's been always when that's not true.
0: It's very surface level. Just, I guess it depends, you know, it's like the beholder, obviously, you know? Yeah. It's, it's funny, a lot of what we're talking about goes in complete circle and counters itself, which is obviously sign of artistic mind working. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I also think conversations have very natural cycles between people. It just does that. And I, I, I love that too, actually.
0: Well, the ebbs and flows. The cool thing about this, too, is we're having really uh, awesome conversations. It's the first time we've ever met, and we're not in the same physical space. The idea that we're actually having a dynamic conversation about intellectual concepts is (laughs) fascinating (laughs) fascinating, all on its own, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, try explaining that to people, (laughs) medieval villagers who (laughs) were stuck in one tiny (laughs) city. Isn't that crazy? I mean, that wasn't that long ago. Five hundred years ago is not that long ago. No,
0: it's very close. That's what's really ironic. Right? Do you what do you think of the future where we're going? Where do you think we're gonna be ending up? Do you think we're gonna hit the singularity or what do you think?
1: Uh equally so I have so no control over this that mm-hmm. I, I'm just gonna see where it goes.
0: Where do you want it to go?
1: Um ideally I think if we can get rid of certain things, certain problems like racism. (laughs) It would be so great.
0: (laughs) That's perspective, though, and empathy.
1: I think some perspective is forced upon people who aren't willing to accept it because we collectively agree that, yeah, this is messed up. Uh, I, I think people struggle with not belonging. So singularity, I don't think is super great. And also, neither is being forced into just trying to um, embrace everything that everybody else believes in, because that's never going to work. Right. I mean, that's what no. makes traveling interesting because it's not just the places you see, but it's the mind set of places too. Right. Yes. Like,
0: um, is a good example of that too. You know.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, like so much of culture is married to one another. There's so much of reasoning for everything that, I don't like separating all those things and then trying to make everybody go by the same rules. Um, you know, a lifestyle from the Mediterranean is so different. And I think like I'm, I consider myself from the Mediterranean.
0: Yeah, I think so. I'm, I'm, I think I'm like an eighth Turkish, so I know where it is. Are you? (laughs) Yeah.
1: You're one of us. (laughs) Yeah.
0: The small little baby country.
1: (laughs) So great. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, depending, obviously, but...
0: Um, like my foot, like one-eighth. Your foot, your toe. Your foot. <laughs> my my toe is Turkish. <laughs>
1: <laughs> not the other finger, not the other toes, but the,
0: the pinky toe. Yeah, the pinky um, toe. <laughs> that's
1: so funny. Well, welcome to the clan. Just yeah, here.
0: I need to go. I would love to go.
1: Someday. If you do, uh, I have all the tips,
0: so... I'll have to hit you up for sure. yeah. I, yeah. I love I'll- Europe. It's so cool over there, so different.
1: But, I, you know, I was going to say, it's not. It's, I don't think it's
2: confusing or
1: surprising that, like, so many Americans love to go to Italy, you know? Sure. They're yeah. all about Sorrento and, like, the little Italian towns and, like, this way of life and, like, maybe not having to be somewhere. It's just this, like, yeah, it's kind of very opposite to here. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're gonna, in a big city.
0: We appreciate a contrast. I, that actually turns me you onto know, this really funny story I've heard about um, – Japanese women who eventually go to I think Paris and they have um oh
1: my god yes have you heard about this yes I yeah
0: I'll let I'll let you tell that <laughs> tell
1: me it's great I,
0: I'm not sure if I'm gonna butcher the story but I couldn't I was laughing I couldn't I couldn't stop I I was like what the hell they were telling me that um so my understanding of it is Japanese women who've never been to Paris and born and raised in Japan they have this um really unique viewpoint on what Paris is um like it's this place that's like, I guess it's like when a kid thinks of Disneyland and then finally goes. And when they go, they like have a break, like a mental breakdown. Like a, they freak out. Have You heard about that?
1: Uh, I heard there's a name for this.
0: Yeah. There's a name. Yeah.
1: They get depressed and then it lasts for a long time.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But I don't think it's just women. I think it's just like a cultural thing.
0: Oh, I heard it was women specific.
1: I didn't hear it coming from Japan. Um, I mean, I'm not by any means an expert.
0: Yeah, I have to look it up.
1: (laughs) I do think with Japanese culture, there's so much emphasis on, like, what's really great and amazing is this, like, very frilly, like, rococo idea of Europe. Yeah. So, like, they're made to look at that with really idealist, you know, um, ideas. Yeah. (laughs) They're made to look at that and put it on a pedestal in a way that... Nothing could live up to it. And they particularly have a hard time in France, apparently, or so I hear, (laughs) uh, because the French culture is very different than that. Obviously, there's uh, the American view of the the French culture, which is like rude, I guess. (laughs) Um, I, I never really experienced France that way, so I don't think that's true, but other people have experienced it that way, I'm sure, so... You know, sure. doesn't, doesn't erase their experience. All valid. Um, but supposedly that they have a really hard time because it's like they expect really like super kind and very like <laughs> real behavior and then when they go, it's like Paris is not the cleanest city, obviously. Oh yeah. It's it's I mean I, I also think it's the least French city in France, but you know, that's a whole different topic. So but that it's concept itself
0: is really interesting, though.
1: Yeah, they can't quite handle it, apparently. Which concept? I, uh, Sorry.
0: Expectations will get you in odd predicaments, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: I think what that is that, that saying,
1: saying the don't assume because it makes an ass out of you? And I,
0: I love that saying. I say it all the time. It's <laughs> yeah. true. It's very true, and it spells at assume, so it's perfect.
1: Yeah, it conceptually works.
0: It's a win-win. It's,
1: it, yeah, it's, it's not designed over function. Yeah. <laughs> It's both.
0: It works for, on both levels. Yeah, I'm having such a great time talking with you. I, I have to get off soon. I want to talk. I want to make sure if you're ever up for it too, um, you're always welcome to come on. It's been Thank fit. Thank
1: you so much. No, I have fun. a great time too. I was actually just going to say, if Andrew's not asleep yet, is he editing
0: <laughs> <us>?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Andrew's like a podcast pervert. <laughs> yeah. I just lurk around in the shadows. Yeah.
1: <laughs> For through. a second, at uh, first I thought we we're gonna have a three-person conversation. I was really excited, <laughs> and then I wasn't sure if I should interrupt with that since you're recording.
0: Don't be so shy. Now I think, well, for Andrew, he listens to all the episodes, anyways, because he helps with all the um, like the show notes and stuff. So, any way sure. that uses the show notes, you have Andrew to thank for, along with mm-hmm. like he puts everything else together. Like, honestly. Yes. I couldn't do this podcast without his help. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I mean, Andrew's a huge part of this. So, anybody that's thankful and sends thanks to me, find Andrew on Twitter or whatever and thank him too. Cause
1: that's great. Team I, effort. Yeah. One of my friends is a radio producer, the girl I mentioned on the other podcast. And, uh, call
0: like, your girlfriend podcast. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <Cool>. I check <laughs> um, that out.
1: Yeah. She's great. I mean, she works for all the radio stations. So, that's her actual thing but then she started doing that too and i'm like "Ah." and she of course goes into these editing phases and i'm like wow so much work how do you do this we actually
0: don't edit it because it's just too much work and at the same time like i like i like when things are really raw and not everybody likes our podcast for that reason but some people i think a lot more people actually generate like they like that we're just pure we're not trying to hide behind our own opinions like we have opinions and Fuck it, okay. you know.
1: <laughs> I think that's a big draw of your podcast. I've listened to it in the past, obviously, and
2: awesome. it's really awesome. great.
1: It's really I mean, you had great people on, but it's also really nice to hear them in this more candid sort of way. It's a little scary.
0: Sure. <laughs> I don't
1: like how I sound. But you're
0: doing a great job though. It's a very powerful podcast, I think.
1: Well, I I think you're also very kind. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Well, I'm just thankful to be able to have people like yourself with your abilities and wanting to be willing enough to come on and talk openly and candidly. It's, it's a two-way street, you know? So
1: I'm just going to say, I think it's a lot of you, and then stop this from going into an admiration, like mutual admiration society.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You're the best. You're the best. Because if there's
1: the one thing that's annoying to listen to, I think it's that.
0: Well, yeah. The, okay, we'll, we'll end on the last important topic, and we'll bring Andrew into this. Do you you like Chipotle?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, what a loaded question this is. I can already tell.
0: It's super loaded. You got to say yes or no and explain why. Okay. You got to say yes. (laughs) 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 Shut up, Andrew. (laughs) Well,
1: I think between yes or no, if I have to pick one, it would probably be yes.
0: Okay, there you go. That's a probably, though, so it's not a yes. <laughs> Suck on that, Andrew. <laughs>
1: no, I, I thought it was a bit weird when, like, they were going through the McDonald's phase and stuff. Yeah. They they, they aren't owned by them anymore, I think.
0: No, they're, they, not, they're, they're not.
3: They
1: bought it back, which was, like, go Chipotle. Like, it
0: was. I bought a burrito that day in, in memory. That's
1: great. And I think overall, <laughs> mm-hmm. they actually do care more about their practices than most places and stuff. I think it's great. They Is it the most authentic Mexican food? No. But... <laughs> You know, like, I think in terms of what it is, it's very successful. I just don't end up going there often because it's so much food and I can't handle it. (laughs)
2: Like,
1: the portions I can't handle. Like, that's three meals in one. Like, I don't know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it is. Uh, Even for me, I'm like 186 foot 2 and I'm still... Yeah. I can't always clear out a Chipotle bowl.
1: (laughs) And here's the thing that I don't blame Chipotle for but is not a great experience is... I remember in college, I would go and eat the whole thing, oh. it's just like be in a coma,
0: Chipotle drunk,
1: two days. Like, uh, <laughs> so, you well, know, the,
0: the reason why I bring it up is because Andrew is doing a little something special, and I'll let him tell you what he's been doing because he's a <laughs> retard putting me on the spot here.
1: <laughs> no, I, I, so I,
2: explain
0: I, to the world, Andrew,
3: what you've right, been up to. I gotta like publicize this, I guess. <laughs> I'm uh, so I'm. Similarly, not religious at all, but I was raised religiously, and I realized on the first day of Lent that I was at Chipotle, and I I bought a like a burrito bowl. I go to Chipotle all the time, by the way. I should preface it with that.
1: I think that was pretty much understood.
3: Yeah, and then and then on on the first day of Lent, I decided like, oh, I'm just gonna make an anti fasting holiday out of Lent.
2: Oh my god. Get
3: I'm going to give what up not it? eating Chipotle for Chipotle. Lent. So, <laughs>
2: Chipotle. <laughs> yeah, so I've
3: been eating one burrito bowl a day for the past 36 days.
2: Oh my God!
3: Yeah. <laughs> That's my claim to fame right now. But no, tell us the ingredients because it's actually pretty good. It's, I feel like I'm on a commercial right now. Uh, <laughs> We're getting paid by so Chipotle, by the way. Every single time. <laughs> we should just do a fake ad for Chipotle in the beginning. Just, oh, who gives a shit? Let's do it. <laughs> Make the entire episode Chipotle. <laughs>
1: you. What if you had a Chipotle podcast?
3: Oh, the, oh well, God, Andrew's I mean, dream is to work on a Chipotle job. So, uh, oh yeah. I actually emailed the studio a couple weeks ago, so <laughs> they had like, it was those people who made that really good scarecrow ad from oh. a while back you like, let me do a Chipotle thing with you guys. Yeah, it's like, please, please, please. No, <laughs> sure. but uh, every Greetings. time I go, I get the same thing. I get uh, a burrito bowl with white rice, chicken, guacamole, and lettuce. So it's like... You have like,
1: to do guacamole because it's... Yeah. Come on.
3: You it's really know? good there. It cares yeah.
1: if it's extra. Of course I want the guacamole. <laughs> They're like, yeah, it's extra. And I'm like, yes, I know. Give me guacamoles. I know it's extra.
0: Yeah, don't yeah. tell me it's extra. Just give it to me. <laughs>
1: That's so funny. Maybe, maybe, maybe they know you guys. <laughs> yeah, but. they
3: definitely they do know me. They like one time I walked in and the guy was like, "Day thirty <laughs> three. What were you for Halloween, Andrew? Oh my
1: God, so t- Were you a Chipotle burrito for Halloween? <laughs> no,
3: I was a Chipotle employee for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's great. He has the
3: hat and everything. Yeah, That's I still dedication. wear that hat. Right
1: there.
3: I think didn't you wear that hat when we were in Tokyo? Uh, yeah, I, I bring it everywhere. I wear it, like, almost every day. Just
1: Is it kind of, like, hipster cool in Tokyo because you're wearing a Chipotle
3: hat? I don't know. I just wear like, it because I like Yeah, Chipotle.
1: American culture, like, California lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, how they say in New York, you haven't been in New York, really, unless you've run into Woody Allen. it's <laughs> so like, the whole you haven't been in the industry unless you've had Chipotle with Andrew.
3: That's... that's-
0: <laughs> God. that's an honor yeah. oh my god that is epic we have to that's like a thing we have to make happen Andrew <laughs> I'm oh my god what
1: if you had like an event you right? should so didn't you say everybody to show up and he, said,
0: <laughs> he said that he was got like some. didn't you get like interviewed by LA Times or something? Like, oh yeah
3: the LAist I don't know if they're going to publish it though just one of their guys like my roommate is friends with him or like he works with him or something and they interviewed me about Chipotle I must be, like, breaking <laughs> some kind of record, honestly, like, <laughs> 36 days. That's, like, how many weeks even? Like five. I would like if you to go for six
1: months. You, before you quit, I think the last day you do it, you should have something. Because that would be really great. Like, um, and if you don't want it to be about, like, this kind of consumerism, you could always make it about some kind of donation, right? Mm. Like, come and buy an extra... Breed out and we'll give it to homeless shelter or whatever.
3: Yeah, that's a great it's idea. It's a like,
1: huge thing. And the whole design community would be like, bang, Chipotle! <laughs> <laughs> it's like, right
3: now. not a bad idea. Yeah, do it. Do it, Andrew. Yeah. Also. I don't if know gonna if I'm work. ever going to stop, though. I might just eat it forever.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's the danger of it. But it that's is. also the beauty because it gives you the time to figure out what you want to do. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Figure out the plan. The master plan. i if like,
1: got so tired of it, but you're just like so stuck on the idea of coming up with something that you <laughs> stop eating now. Like that'll probably be like, what
3: the that'll probably be what it is. No, never.
1: I hope not. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Very pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> of you.
0: Super chippudlous, Chipotle.
1: Chipotle. I like chipotland I think it's hard to top chippudland. I think you. it's
3: pretty good. I might after Chipotle or Chipotle Lent is over. I think I'm going to turn it into Chipotle life and just keep going. <laughs> then you
0: pretty could do much. the Live Strong with the Chipotle, like the tin. <laughs> you could do like a tin, uh, a bracelet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Tim Armstrong. Guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you could do a blog of just eating Chipotle every day. I mean,
3: yeah, I've been doing it on my Twitter. I don't <laughs> know, I want to make a blog though.
1: Oh, you know what would <laughs> be funny is a time lapse of the same dish, like. Every day there's one frame of it.
3: It's just... Yeah, hold on. I got it. I just posted do your on the Instagram too. today of the uh, the collage of all my... Saw my that.
0: ...seats from the past 36 days.
1: Exactly. I exactly. brought
0: this up on the podcast because usually he never comes on and then I was like... And, then, and in passing, because every time before we do the show, I usually build out a bunch of questions and I just keep them in my pocket. I didn't uh, even use it on our conversation because sure. you... Were really great. Oh, just
1: all the awkward dick questions. What's in there? That's great.
0: What kind of color do you like? No, I'm joking. <laughs> no. Do you do you like cats? Uh, no, but one of them was a joke to Andrew. Like, I'm gonna ask her about Chipotle, and so I did.
2: So. You did. Ah,
1: exactly. Your face. <laughs> I also got
0: the
3: got
1: the links. I'm checking out the Instagram, which is so oh, cool. <laughs> oh my god, amazing! <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, you're
3: full.
1: This is so good. This is so good. I'm you have of, to do something with this.
0: I'm craving it you now. Can, like,
1: What if you composited these into a large image of Chipotle? You know, like the image like, <laughs> that
3: I would need a lot more of them. You do. You do well, for a year.
1: That gives you a new assignment, I yeah, think.
0: True. Just, just yeah, true. Sorry, sorry to bastardize our conversation Chipotle. <laughs> I don't know.
1: <laughs> I, I feel like this is a great addition to this <laughs> I welcome <laughs> all the things
0: that are awesome. Chipotle um, <laughs> being one of them, but no, I really appreciate it. And seriously, if you ever want to come on again, I know we'd only touched on a couple things. Um things. I'm sure there's a lot more. Anybody that's listening, if you have questions or is it, would it be okay for people to reach out to you?
1: Of course. Um, okay. I, I tend to try to answer to them as much as possible. I do get behind or sometimes just completely do not see things. Sure. But I will do my best to respond, um, and yeah, I will give you guys my information to put on. I guess
0: you can. How about this? So you don't get destroyed by emails. If anybody's curious, you just put a comment in the SoundCloud, and if there's anything relevant, I'll Andrew and I'll pass it along.
1: That sounds you, super perfect. That would and be also, a lot better. Um, also online, you can ask me questions, and I will answer them as much as possible, except. Uh, of course, if I've answered it a million times before, I'm just uh, probably not going to answer it again.
0: Yeah, that's good. Go Google that shit, people. Don't be lazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or like
1: something that has nothing to do with anything. They're just asking you.
0: What do you eat in your Chipotle bowl? They're going to ask you that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you ask that, I'm sure. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. What's the I, like, I
1: like chicken too, but sometimes you get to throw in steak. Definitely. Oh, yeah. guacamole. I have this weird thing. I have to have corn in there. It's, yeah, it's, I
0: have to have corn. Like,
1: corn um, but lettuce lots of lettuce and i don't like too much rice
0: uh i do the mix do the mix both
1: i like the mix too i like a good balance between the rice and the lettuce
0: the bell peppers are good too
1: yeah but i can't digest them so i'm like
0: oh okay pass <laughs> you
1: know i used to eat them like apples and now my body's betraying me
0: oh shame <laughs> on that body damn that body <laughs> but no seriously in all seriousness this is a, a fantastic episode i'm really just blessed to be able to have a conversation with you this is awesome oh, I, and, and i, I really
1: you guys can see it <laughs> yeah.
0: well, I, well, I really appreciate it and like i said you're welcome on anytime so let Thanks us know so and, and and everybody that's curious about this just keep it on the soundcloud forum and um i'll check it at, like every other week or so i check it so um but you guys should be good this is enough shit be satisfied there you go three-hour conversation
1: Also, please leave great comments about how much you love the podcast. For me, towards these two dudes because they they do a fantastic job repeatedly.
0: Thanks, Andrew. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. On that epic note, I guess that's it. Boom. And just like that, that's the end of this epic episode. Thank you guys for listening in. You can find links to Tuna's work and all the show notes for this week's episode at thecollectivepodcast.com slash 95. You can also find links to our Facebook and Twitter and check us out on iTunes by going to thecollectapodcast.com iTunes. You guys have a wonderful day. Go be powerful. Go be prolific. Peace out, everybody.